Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode two of To the Choir, our preacher podcast, where, uh, well, me and Dave have a question for you. Are, are you are you down with uh, TTC? <laughs> <laughs> I know I am. I know. I'm speaking right? for myself, I yeah, love you know me, TTC. right? Yeah, yeah. You know me. <laughs> yes, we are here to talk about the second uh, issue. I was going to call it an episode. No, no, no. We're not talking about the show. Maybe we'll talk about that another time. But uh, we're talking about the second issue of Preacher. And uh, before we get into it, I think uh, I speak for Dave when I say uh, we want to thank everybody for the warm reception we got on the first episode here. Uh, You know, uh, social media is a gamble sometimes. When you put something out there, it could just flop. It could take off or it could do something in between. And and usually uh, I flop or go in between. Here, we were on like the higher end of in between, I feel. Uh, People were fairly uh, into it. And it uh, was a really good feeling. It was a really good feeling. Um, the episode actually came out while I was I was in Minneapolis when the show came out. So I wasn't there to do a uh, – I wasn't there to send it out. So the few occasions I got to pop in on my phone, I was very, very pleased with the amount of uh, reception and engagement we got. So thank you all so much for that. Uh, I hope you guys are enjoying this. Uh, I know I'm enjoying my first time through this, and I think, uh, Dave, you're enjoying your third or fourth time through this, correct? Indeed, I am. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Now, did you get any sort of uh, any sort of feedback from last episode that uh, that we haven't talked about off the air? No, I'm just a bunch of junk mail. Yeah, <laughs> my spam filter is full. It's true, uh, it's true. No one wants to talk to me. They want to talk to you. Oh, you're the guy. You're the dude. I'm just uh, the sidekick. I'm I'm the Robin to your Batman, brah. <laughs> you're the uh, the Cassidy to my Custa. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, I know that uh, I did get some bad news in the email here in my spam folder, actually. Um, uh-huh. uh, you know, Edward Treadmill keeps dying. OK. Um, yeah, I keep getting mail from someone who says that I have an inheritance from okay. the late Edward Treadmill. All right. Because uh, the email, the email's name is Cosmic Treadmill. So I think they think that's my name. So maybe uh, could be. So my uncle, Edward Treadmill, passed away again. Again. So it's unfortunate. Um, One of these days you have to sit down and create an elaborate backstory for Mr. Treadmill there. Yeah. How do you. How he gained his fortune and uh, mm-hmm. all the loves of his life, all that good stuff. Oh, he, he was a man of action, a man of adventure. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a sad story, but um, we would take listens in lieu of flowers is, is kind of the thing here. Um, <laughs> yes. Sure. Edward Treadmill, he's got too many loved ones out there that have already sent flowers. So we'll just take listens. That, yep. that's, that's the way you can give, give back to the late, great Edward Treadmill. But uh, with all that said, I'll stop vamping right now, and uh, we can talk about another vamp. Well, he's one of these people anyway, but uh, let's hop into Preacher number 2. This had a May 1995 cover date. The story's called And Hell Followed With Him. Written by Garth Ennis, with art by Steve Dillon. Colors Matt Hollingsworth, letters Clem Robbins. Uh, cover art is Glenn Fabry. Edits Rottenberg, Moore, and Berga. Cover price two fifty on sale March 28th of 1995. Now, before we get into the issue here, you have anything you want to say about the cover? Yes, there is something I would like to say, and it may not be popular, but I don't care. Is I find uh, Glenn Fabry's art and covers very unsettling, and I assume that's what mm-hmm. he intended for sure. a lot of the uh, work that he produced for Preacher, and, mm-hmm. and rightly so. But I can't say uh, I'm a big fan of the covers. 
You know, it's one of the things that kept me away, and I, I can't remember off the top of my head who drew the Grant Morrison Doom Patrol era uh, covers, but I remember looking at them and thinking, like, these look like meat. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They look yeah. very, very meaty. So, like, the cover we have here is the Santa Killers. He's holding a wanted poster with uh, Custer's face on it, and he just looks meaty. And I, I, I yeah, <laughs> it is unsettling. You know he kind of looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It looks like his jowls, if he you does, ask me. Might have been the inspiration the, here. He does have the Schwarzen jowls, for he sure. He does. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> terrible. That's a, oh, God, please don't tell me you get the Schwarzen jowls. We don't have medicine for that. We don't yet have a cure for that, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Santa Killer's here. He's uh, He's got the poster. Uh, there are a bunch of slaughtered police officers sprawled out on the ground behind him, which, um, hey, you know what? We talk about pinup covers. This while sort of a pinup cover actually tells us what's going on in the story. It's a pretty good segue actually into the yeah, story. Right. So, um, I get that. yeah, for sure. And then we open in the aftermath of whatever the hell just went down with the Santa killers. Now our new, I don't think we'll call him a friend, but our, our new acquaintance, Sheriff root, he's being interviewed by a police captain and an FBI agent. Now in root, he, Proceeds to tell them everything that happened when we were when they were approached by that strange fella at the end of last issue. And it's pretty simple. He shot them all up real good. And he had a seemingly otherworldly flair to his technique. Uh, Root says he aims like you and me would point a finger, which is a pretty good line. I liked it. I thought it was a really good way of just just describing the effortlessness and the just natural way that he would fire a gun. Right. Now, anyway, during the brouhaha, all of Root's men were shot dead brutally, like noses were shot off, guts are hanging out, dudes are shot execution style here. It's just really quite a scene. Yeah, totally. And credit to uh, Matt Hollingsworth here, the colorist, because the art itself isn't particularly graphic, <laughs> but he uh, he's the one who added all the blood. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they. They use the red pencil a lot here. Yeah, yeah totally. I and mean, well, I mean, that's the thing. When you describe violence, is it like uber realistic? Is it, you know, entrails hanging out and sure. all sorts of artistic details here? Uh, that's not the case. No, no. Now, just as the saint is about to pop one off into Root's dome here, the police helicopter that we saw last issue draws near and warns the gunman to maybe cool his jets. Now, amid the confusion, Root skedaddles. And uh, this bit of the scene ends with the helicopter somehow crashing on top of the bloodbath which pretty much destroys the entire crime scene i i don't know if the saint of killers shot the uh pilot or somehow used some telekinesis to pull the thing down i don't know enough about the uh the saint yet to, to be able to say one way or another whatever the case it was it was bizarre from here we slip out of roots flashback land and into our heroic trios now, we see from a short distance away, Jesse, Tulip, and Cassidy, they, they are viewing and witnessing the resulting explosion from the chopper going down. Then, from the wreckage and flames walks the Saint of Killers. Now, Jesse appears to get a decent look at him, uh, doesn't know much about him, but knows that this dude ain't here to F around. He tells his pals that they gotta beat it, like right now. And so they do. We jump back to Root, and... Uh, now, I mean, he just told his superiors a pretty crazy story, right? I mean, this is supernatural to the extreme. A lot of fantastical elements to it. 
But the one that the FBI agent gets stuck on is the fact that the Saint of Killers was using a pair of like ancient revolvers and still somehow managed to pop off 13 shots. It's that kind of attention to detail that uh, gets you into the FBI. Uh, now, he uses this to kind of, well, no pun intended, put holes in Root's story. Root, as you might imagine, does not appreciate this in the slightest. Again, though, I do appreciate this kind of attention to detail and tells us that this FBI guy is going to be really combing through everybody's statements. Though, for all I know, we may never see this dude again. Uh, how did you <laughs> like this uh, this little detail, uh, this 13-shot detail? No, it's, it's important. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, especially when you think that Root is telling this fantastic tale that's just completely unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very important detail to remember and uh, something that's going to reveal a lot about the Saint of Killers Ooh, later on. I like that. I like that. Now, at this point, Root is sent home to rest. He's like, yeah, you, you've had it. Just go home. Once he's gone, the captain asks the agent what he makes of the Anvil situation. And, of course, this is that church that went boom last issue. The agent, we, we find out his name is Dinnings. So Agent Dinnings says that it looks like someone crammed the entire population into the church and then lit up like 10 gallons of napalm. The captain's like, hey, you want to go on record with that as your official theory? And he's like, no, that's just a theory. So he's hedging his bets. He doesn't want to – he's not going to be nobody's patsy here. From here, the conversation shifts from the situation to uh, Root himself, and these two are like – it's like those commercials for like mystery date or something here. They're like getting like <laughs> like they're gonna like put their elbows on the pillow and, and start talking like gossiping and Oh my like, god. <laughs> do you believe Root? It's it's just crazy. They're just very gossipy. And the captain asked Dennings if what happened to Root's son made the news up north. And uh, we learned that Root's boy Dunn shot himself in the head with a twelve gauge. And uh, Dennings, this is all news to him. He was completely <laughs> unaware. Hey, Chris, I got to tell you, I, I love being reminded of the world pre-social media and like mm-hmm. news feeds just sitting in your pocket. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Did you get this news where you live? It's like, really, it's it's amazing. Now we get world news Constantly. in the blink of an eye yep. in real time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you forget, like, we lived in a world where we didn't have any of that. Nope. Nope. Not especially not not in our pockets. You know, it's that's crazy. Now, uh, the captain decides t- to tell the story of how the kid done did it. And you see, um, this boy was a huge fan of uh, today's first dated reference, um, <laughs> Kurt Cobain. Yeah. And I mean, Kurt's kind of timeless, I guess, to an extent. Uh, but this is still very much of an of its time story beat. Now, Root's boy idolized Cobain and uh, kind of modeled his life after him and even got himself hooked on heroin. Why not? Why not? His hero did it, so it's good enough for him. Now, Root tried all sorts of ways to snap him out of this rebellious streak, um, clearly using Dr. Spock's, you know, teenager and rebellious 20-something who won't move out training guide for IPs. Now, he tried everything from whoopings to putting out cigarettes on the boy's arm, and believe it or not, neither one worked. I mean, you, you you can't get everything out of a book. Then, when Kurt Cobain, who was in this one band... They never mention. Uh, yeah, they never mention Nirvana. Um, Kurt Cobain shoots himself in the head. And so Little Root decides to scurry off this mortal coil the very same way. Now, Dinning suggests that Root probably didn't mourn the loss all that much, to which he and we learn that, uh, well, he didn't actually have to mourn the boy because 
the kid done survived it. Well, well, well. Mm. So uh, before we turn the page and meet this fine young man, uh, let's let's do some uh, some some gestalty questions here. Uh, okay. Dave, yes. Where were where were you when you heard Kurt Cobain done killed himself? I was in the IHOP off of Route 39 in Tuscaloosa. Mm. No, I, I I mean I was a teenager and I was a big Nirvana fan, mm-hmm. and I remember fairly vividly just being glued to mtv news yep. all day like kurt loader you know mm-hmm. give me my information because i i loved the band that shall not be named sure and uh kurt cobain was an idol of mine so mm-hmm. but i gotta i gotta bring up one point here sure is that whenever we talk about icons or famous people or what have you thinking that they're legends mm-hmm. i almost consider this a fallacy because as at that age, when Kurt Cobain uh, committed suicide, I was a big believer basically seeing that or thinking rather that, you know, your art is your legacy. Okay. This is something that will make you live forever. We don't know what happens when we die. We don't, you know what I mean? But if I can put this little piece of art in the world, someone's going to discover it. They're going to remember me. And in in a way I'm immortal. I've realized, you know, now this is it, it works to a degree, right? Sure. It, in a cycle, because honestly, if you ask a lot of kids nowadays, let's say even 13, 14, 15 years old that we were mm-hmm. when Kurt Cobain uh, d- did do this, they couldn't tell you who the hell Kurt Cobain was. Yeah. It's you know, it, and basically as a whole, people really care little to nothing about history mm-hmm. and the names that influence the world that we live in today. Oh, 100 percent. You know, 100%. so I, I mean, think of it like this, right? uh john lennon a lot of people mm-hmm. know who john lennon is yep. uh and we bring jim him up morrison, yeah. jim morrison right but we bring him up on the anniversary of their death and what have you but i mean how long is that going to last in a hundred years are people still going to be bringing up john lennon we don't know we don't, don't know, know but i i'd be inclined to say probably very little to to nobody sure i, I think it's something that uh we we tell ourselves to to kind of comfort ourselves here where like uh, some people will see their legacy through their children. Other people will see their yeah. legacy through something they've created, you know, that isn't a child. Um, I think it's something that we kind of blanket ourselves in to comfort us and realize that you, we left an impact. We, we left something. Uh, so even when we're no longer here, part of us is still sort of out there kicking still. Right. How true that is, again, we don't have – I mean – Look at where we are from the mid 20th century on. This is like the first time we've actually been able to record this sort of a history where it's a it's a the world's gotten so much smaller. History is much more. I mean, <laughs> politics and things are not agreed on, but history is almost sort of agreed on. Right. Where we know too many people see too many things that are happening everywhere. Mm. So it's like we have a we have a an understanding where. Back in, you know, back before the world was so much smaller, like we said, you know, things might happen in one part of the country and the other part of the country never heard of it. You know, we were talking about uh, Sheriff Root's boy getting shot or shooting himself. Yeah. And we wondered if the news made it to another state, much less another country. Now it's different. So, like, the immortality era is still in its infancy. So, yeah, it's um, it's comforting to think that will yes. be remembered and kurt will be remembered and whoever will be remembered uh 
but we won't know till we're there. And unfortunately we won't be there when they decide yeah, this. Exactly. Right. We don't know. We just don't yeah. know. And I don't mean to be uh, Debbie Downer who, for no, all it's... I know, 50 years from now, some kids will discover Nirvana's music. Oops. I just said the name oh. and be, yeah, totally inspired by it. And new things will come of it. Who knows? Oh, for sure. But like you said, we, like we don't have the track record yet. Yeah. But even then, if I was going to go out uh, to a crowd of people and be like, oh, who invented the bicycle? Uh, mm-hmm. Who invented penicillin? Who was sure. the lead singer of bread? You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you go on and on here and people, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. they, they were important for whatever reason, mm-hmm. various reasons. But we just don't keep up with it. We don't care, yep. you know. It's so true. there you go. It's very, very true. Now, did you – one of the uh, – because when I – I think I'm like a year younger than you. So we were in like the, I think both of us were probably in junior high when this happened, uh, when Kurt did the thing here. And um, I remember I was in school that day. At least I think I was in school that day because I found out during lunch and everybody immediately started talking about Courtney Love did it. Ah, yes, yes, did, yes. Do you have any, any, did you buy into any of that? Did you hear any of that? It's, it's an, one of those interesting things. Yeah, I've heard about it. I've heard the conspiracy theories that she had him whacked. She yeah. had him killed. And uh, I know they made a movie about it. I believe there's books written about it. Uh, oh, it's Lord. just not. Yeah, but it's not something that's uh, interests me enough to actually uh, get involved yeah. with any yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. I've <laughs> never I never went down that particular rabbit hole uh, for me. The man's gone. He's gone. I sure. mean, you know, I'm not really big into conspiracies anyway. You not know, even mattress firm. <laughs> yeah that's a that's a callback that's a, yeah that's that's like an end joke now yeah <laughs> so i get such a rise out of me but i mean just in general it's like if you told me hey there's an illuminati running uh the government or this and that i go okay well yeah i i kind of figured but I, it wasn't something like i was scavenging for the answers with my tinfoil hat on not to say there's anything particularly wrong with that sure if you want to find out more about stuff be my guest if you have a theory about something feel free to explore it but it just wasn't my jam uh, and still really isn't. Yeah. yeah. If anybody listening has any thoughts on that or has, has done any research, let us know. We, we would love to uh, yeah. to go even further into the weeds. And well, talk about you know what? This stuff. I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean to interrupt you here. Sure. But I did want to say one thing I do find interesting is uh, JFK. OK. So, uh, yeah, I'm just putting it out there, too. I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> it was like on the tip of my tongue. I'm like, hey, man, the JFK, that now that's a conspiracy I might be able to sing my teeth into that's because that stuff's just wild. Uh, a rock mm. star, you know, kissing the end of a shotgun. Not so much. But this whole thing is is pretty crazy stuff. It's true. It's true. Um, There was a there's a writer named Jim Goad who did mm. uh, these scenes back in the 90s called Answer Me. And uh, Answer Me is something that uh, that Reggie and I would talk about a lot. Um, very subversive stuff. Very, very uh, like edgy sort of stuff. Like try hard edgy. Where mm-hmm. there's like four volumes of this magazine. And like one is like, th- they're very upfront. It's like, this is the rape issue. You know? This, and like, this is the, uh, this is the murder issue. And they were just, this is the suicide issue. It was wild stuff. And um Somebody said that backstage at a band that shall not be named yet uh, concert, someone saw Kurt Cobain reading the suicide issue like a month before he uh, he did the thing. So that's it's an interesting little piece of trivia for any uh, Jim Goad fans out there. It's uh, one of the things that sometimes comes up when when his name comes up. Okay, I already Uh, said the name of the band. I mean, I was going to say here, uh, that was my next question here. Why do you think they never said it? Huh? I, I don't know. 
I really don't know. I mean, uh, yet again, a conspiracy. Um, I, you'd think like off the top of your head, maybe it's like a, a copyright thing that you can't use your name. But I mean, I, I don't, I really don't know. Good question. Yeah, I didn't know if maybe it was to show that like that the the police captain like wasn't hip enough to know the name of it. Mm. I didn't know if that was like the Im- implication here or if maybe there is something else behind it. Maybe they couldn't couldn't use it. I, I just don't know. But yeah. um, from here, we do go and meet that boy. And uh, one more question before we actually do. Sure. Okay. Here's a question. We talk about pronunciations and neither of us can claim to be experts in pronunciations. Nope. Um, are we going to call this kid uh, ass face or arse face? Alrighty. Well, headcanon <laughs> for me is always arse. Okay. But I have zero, no objections to ass, mm-hmm. which sounds kind of weird now that it's okay. come out of my mouth. Yeah, we, we yeah, Don't cut that clip out. No, uh, please. No, yeah. No <laughs> objections to ass here, my friend. None whatsoever. But I mean, hey, if you, whatever whatever you want to say is cool with me. Yeah, I figure we'll probably I'll probably try to do arse because I mean that seems to be I mean that's the way it's spelled. And uh okay. if nothing else, I, I say things as I read them, I guess. I'll, I'll allow it. Yes, and this is of course the introduction of Wizard Magazine's most favorite <laughs> favoritist uh, deformed fella. Uh Sheriff Root gets home and he's welcomed by his son. And little Root, ass face or arse face, he offers to get Daddy a beer. Root slumps down into his chair and after a moment of stoic silence, puts his head into his hands. So, um, are we supposed to begin sympathizing with this asshole or, or what? No. <laughs> He's got troubles, you see. Depth. Yeah. Depth. Now, our scene shifts to outside a shoporama, which is basically, you know, a Walmart of some sort. Uh, there, Jesse and Tulip are having a chat. Now, Tulip denies that she came to Anvil to look for him, claiming that, hey, you know, even if she wanted to look for him, she wouldn't even know where to start. And then when asked about Cassidy, basic, uh, Tulip once again basically shrugs her shoulders here. She doesn't know anything about him. He was simply going her way when she needed a ride. She also doesn't know why he sleeps all day covered in a tarp, which is to say she probably never read the solicits for this book. <laughs> yes, exactly. May have been the worst kept secret in comicdom. Mm-hmm. I, wonder, I wonder if we'll get any clarification on that uh, in a few pages. I don't know. Uh, now, Jesse wonders why she's so quick to accept the ridiculous situation that they find themselves in. It's like it's pretty crazy. And uh, while she doesn't deny that this is, in fact, nuts. She also doesn't have any sort of explanation for everything she's seen other than the fact that it is what it is, right? She's here for it. She says that uh, Jesse used uh, the, the word of God back there. She saw it happen, so how can she question it? They then talk a bit about the Genesis situation, which facilitates Cassie, Cassidy popping his head in to make a – I'm sure this was an already semi-dated reference even back in ye old 95 here. Uh, he says that Genesis is a terrible band. Um so uh, why you got to be that way, Pronzi, Pronz, Prunzis, Pron, Cassidy? Uh, what, do, what do you think about Genesis? Uh, the band? The band or, or the uh, video game system. I don't know. Sega <laughs> Genesis. <laughs> uh, I don't uh, – not a ton, I guess, because I talked quite a bit about Phil Collins last episode. And he survived it. He did. And I hope anybody <laughs> checking out episode two of TTC – uh goes back and listens to that one as well if you haven't already sorry but um i i, I want to say this though i have never met a genesis super fan which is kind of weird considering that's i've encountered point. fanatics for just about everything under the sun 
So, uh, I mean, my pop culture bingo card is sans Peter Gabriel deep cuts right now. <laughs> you know, I, I do want to say the land of confusion is a kick-ass song though. I guess I can end with that. It is. You know? Yeah. yeah I, what about I, you? You know, I couldn't even tell you, like, sometimes I'll do like, uh, like they're like websites that have like quizzes, you know, like a uh, sporkle is one of them where like, you'll, it's like, you have to like match like the name of a band to a song or something. Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes it's TV stuff. It's all crazy stuff. Sure. And if you were to give me like a list of Phil Collins and Genesis songs and told me to pick which ones are which. Yeah. I tough. would not, I would not have the first friggin' idea. It's yeah. like. Take me home. Is that is that Genesis or Phil Collins? I don't know. Uh, Land of Confusion. If you didn't just say that that was a Genesis song, I wouldn't have any clue. You right. know, yeah. I would have thought it was strictly Phil Collins or Genesis. It's yeah. So I, I maybe that's why there's no Genesis super fan because nobody can figure out what's what. Well, they gotta be out there somewhere. I mean, they almost have to be. If I, you're you know, listening, Genesis super fan, right, let us right know. in, please. Yeah, did you know that Peter Gabriel was the original singer? I did. I did. Okay, so we were both on the same page as that. That's a good That's about it, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, it's like Peter Gabriel. All I, all I know about him is Sledgehammer. <laughs> oh yeah, but that's a good little ditty right there. It is even better video. <laughs> now uh, Cassidy, he asked why they haven't popped into the story to popped into the store actually to pick up some new threads. And uh, well, you know, they got the talking is all, and also Jesse might be recognized, so it'd probably be best if he waited in the truck anyway. Cassidy then keeps running off at the mouth, and so Jesse decides to use the word of God to make the Irishman stand on his head for a bit. And Cass is all like, "Yeah, this is funny. Just don't ever do it again." And uh, and Jesse's like, "Okay, noted." Uh, Tulip and Cassidy then head inside, leaving Jesse alone. And so up saunters. John Wayne. Maybe. Maybe John Wayne. Uh, now, the Duke warns some more about the Santa Killers, citing that this done, this pilgrim done started down, stared down the devil this one time, right? Uh, he tells Jesse that the saint isn't behind the whole Genesis deal, but, you know, he's definitely someone who needs to be watched for and avoided. Inside the shop, Tulip picks out a black shirt and a white pair of pants for Jesse. Like if this were if I was going to say if this were a TV show, but of course it is a TV show. But if this Mm -hmm. was a a more fun TV show, this would be where like the musical montage would start. Like they'd be coming out of like Cassidy would be popping out of the dressing room, like wearing like old leather. And then he'd come out like wearing like the uh, the baby blue tux, you know, goofy glasses and yeah, yeah. stuff like, hey, hello, hello. (laughs) <laughs> and actually, I, I really don't want to talk about the TV show today. I, I'm keeping that in my back pocket. I'm putting a pin in it. Sure. But uh, <laughs> I do want to say, like, anything that we read about mm-hmm. in the comics, and if you expect it to be in the TV show and could see, like, a good correlation where this would make a, a nice little segment for television, just friggin' forget about it. <laughs> Stop yourself. Just, just don't even bother. <laughs> Duly noted. Um, okay. Now, uh, Cassidy teases Tulip for knowing so much about what Jesse likes. To which she's like, dude, uh, we were in a committed relationship for a long time. So, of course, I know. Uh, how, am I supposed to apologize for that? And he's like, uh, oh, no, no problem. Uh, they then head over to an all night leather shop, which I didn't think existed. <laughs> so uh, Tulip could pick out a jacket and a pair of collar stays for Jesse. All the while, Cassidy keeps pushing her buttons about her feelings for Jesse, about the weird relationship they have, about the gun in her handbag. It's. A pretty awkward chat, um, and Tulip does not seem at all interested, but uh, Cassidy seems to be sort of kind of getting his jollies off and needling her all the same. 
From here, something completely different, we go to heaven. Now, it's uh, we see one of the seraphi are getting drunk. And then the other surviving seraphi, remember one was murdered by the, the Santa Killers last issue, joins him at a long table to talk. And we learn that they're both worried about the grail finding out what has happened. So I'm guessing we'll be finding out who and or what the grail is a little bit later on. Next, we rejoin our heroes at a dive bar. And Cassidy asks Preacher what's next. And uh, he actually first asks if it's okay to call him Preacher. And Jesse's like, yeah, it's fine. I'm cool with it for now. Jesse says that it'd probably be for the best if they all go their separate ways at this point. And Cassidy and Tulip both refuse because they don't want this to just be a two-issue series. Uh, (laughs) Now, Cassie seems to be enjoying the change of pace. Tulip says she ain't leaving until Jesse comes clean about why he left her high and dry without warning. Then an attractive waitress comes over and uh, thankfully doesn't open her mouth to reveal a mouthful of wooden teeth. Zing! Yes, and she's here to hand over their change. And Jesse's like, eh, keep it. This really ticks Tulip off, considering it was her last five bucks. (laughs) Low blow, Custer. She Mm -hmm. just sprung for collar tips. I know, right? Yeah, uh, fancy those are like the most unnecessary things in the world. So. Yeah, it's like the bolo tie. Who the hell needs a bolo tie? But you got to look the pot, right? You got to fit in. You got to fit in. And uh, he also, um, Jesse, that is, he also playfully insults the bar during this interaction with uh, with the waitress. And that'll bring us to our next and final story beat. We go outside to the parking lot where our heroes are approached by some good old boys who weren't all that keen on Jesse flirting with the waitress nor with his poking fun at the establishment. Now, in a sign of the times, Jesse immediately suggests that one of the agitators is gay. Remember, this was the 90s, and that was considered an insult of sorts. Then a fight breaks out, and Jesse literally tears the nose off of one of the baddies. Uh, Cassidy then gets stabbed right in the eye, but brushes it off without incident. Then we wrap up with Cassidy taking a big old bite out of the neck of one of the good ols. And that's that. Mm-hmm. That's where we leave it. I, I, I'm starting to think Cassidy might be a vampire. Oh, really? I, I think oh, so. that's wow. my hot take. That's Didn't hot see take. that one coming. Oh, no. No, <laughs> that's a shocker. I mean, you know, now it's reminding me that he sleeps under a tarp all day. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. So what were your thoughts on, on issue two here? I think it's a good solid issue. Is, is it sure. the best issue? No, but there's a lot of development going on here. Yeah, we're laying uh, yeah, exactly. They're, right here, we get, you know, certain characters being established that I don't want to say if they're going to be long term or not, but they are still <laughs> very cool with the Santa Killers and good old Arseface, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we got the uh, the the reveal <laughs> that <laughs> Cassidy is, in fact, a vampire. This is confirmed now. This is yeah. no doubt about it. This is, you know, he's either a vampire or a cannibal. There you go. You know, we've only been talking about it in paid letter pages and Usenet and everything else. And but now we know for certain that the guy likes uh, to eat meat, human flesh of that variety. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's one of those things where uh, it depends on what you want out of your comics. Right. Because sure. this one, I think, is more of a slow burn kind of issue. Yeah. Now, I say that knowing full well that when we let let off the issue, there was a lot of violence going on. Right. Yeah. But it wasn't really I want to say it was kind of like empty violence. You know what I mean? Where you got panels of, yes, like this guy's jaw got blown off. Boom is a quick read. You know what I mean? It wasn't like uh, it's breezier than the first issue. for sure. Yes. Yes. Well, yes, exactly. So is it my favorite preacher issue of all time? 
No. Is it important? Inevitably. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Is inevitably the right word to use there? Indubitably. Indubitably. Yes. There yeah. we go. Help me out with that one. When I say something stupid, stop me. You're saying <laughs> you're, you're the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. I mean, no. We pronounce things wrong, but when I use a word completely out of, uh, you know, out of the proper definition here, you should say, dude, like lay off the pills, man. Read a freaking. Mm-hmm. The, the source or something <laughs> read a barometer or something yeah read a freaking <laughs> thermometer wait what <laughs> I, I thought this was a this was a good one um i enjoyed it uh i, I thought the pacing was really cool how like you said we started with the violence mm-hmm. but then we like it, it segued really really good and you don't really see the seams of it until you like stop to pay attention to the seams of it like we've got root telling a story right yeah. And he's like, okay, this is what happened here. And then suddenly we go into Jesse's flashback. It's like he like Root wouldn't know that Jesse and Tulip were watching this explosion go off, but it was still included in the bit. Yeah. And and it wasn't like it wasn't shown to being as it wasn't clearly a flashback. You know, it's and that's a silly thing to even bring up. But it was um uh that was that was a little wonky, but um the pacing here was fantastic. I like how we are it feels like we're like building each issue is like a three act thing here, mm-hmm. which yeah. Well, certainly you couldn't read this one in a vacuum. I mean, you could, you wouldn't get as much out of it, but the setup here, it like, maybe I'm projecting, but it feels like it like respects the reader's time. You know, it's like, uh, you're, you're not going to just get chapter two here. Is it chapter two? Of course it's chapter two, but it's not just, you know, we're not just connecting to other chapters here. This one actually felt like it had meaning. It had girth, you know, it had uh, import. So I, I, I dug it. I dug it. And I'm certainly looking forward to more here. I haven't been, uh, haven't been turned off yet. So that's a good thing. There's enough meat here that Cassidy would like to bite it. It's true. He would it's like to true. gnaw on that. Yeah. yeah. So no, totally. It, now a uh, quick question for you. Sure. And this is art in this issue. What do you think? The art. Yeah, Wait, um, how are you feeling about the artwork? Because I did mention, like, when we talked about the uber violence, mm-hmm. it's it's really not in, in graphic detail to the point yeah. where you know he sat there for hours trying to scribble out what the insides of a human face would look like. Yeah, he didn't so, have the anatomy guide with him. No, no. Yeah, he didn't really need it though. I don't think personally. I don't think so either. I don't think yeah. so either. I think the uh, it's like this weird juxtaposition where it's like over the top but cartoony. You mm-hmm. know, um, this isn't like we're reading like an Avatar comic. You remember like Avatar comics around the turn of the century where they were just like 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 Warren Ellis did some stuff with them. I think Garth Ennis did some stuff with them, too. But they were like just so they insisted upon the gore. Where yeah. it's like here it's um, it's it's more cartoony. It's more comic booky. It's still gory. I mean, it's still violent, yeah, but it's impactful, not, right? Exactly. Yeah. Perfectly said. Yeah. But it's not going to turn your stomach, you know, right. and it's not trying to, which is a good thing, because some of those other books, <laughs> it's like they want well, it's it's a gauntlet. You know, it's a gag test. Right. And you did make uh, mention of the wooden teeth again. Of course. The zinger in there. So, I, you know, <laughs> I, I just want to see how you felt about all the dental work. In issue oh, we didn't see two. any. We, I, we, it, they didn't really stand out to me like they did the first time. Yeah. Um. I, I really only mentioned it because we didn't see her open her mouth, and I and I was trying to picture what she would look like with her teeth showing. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. Like, wow, that yeah. would have taken the wind out of this scene. But uh, yeah, it really didn't. Uh, it really didn't take me out of it. So that was a. Uh, that's yeah. a good thing. Maybe I'm. 
maybe it's like Stockholm syndrome for wooden teeth. Now I'm getting used to them and, uh, <laughs> right. and coming to appreciate them a little bit more. Right. But, uh, but yeah, that was the issue. That was a story I should say. Um, yeah. we still have to go to Texas though. We're actually okay. going to go to Texas twice. And uh, before we go to Texas the first time in Gone to Texas, I want to thank the Longbox Review for sending us the Garth Ennis text piece from Preacher Number 1, which we were really upset we didn't have last time. But we're going to talk about it here. And um, it's something. It's something. Yeah. Um, Now, Garth starts his missive to the readers with something of a mission statement. And uh, his mission statement is simple. Be provocative, which... I mean, I, I mean, any thoughts on trying to be provocative rather than just being provocative? Is there a difference? Oh, honestly, I couldn't tell you. I mean, look, last episode we were trying without this page, without this whole uh, essay in front of us, we were just trying to guess on like what his motives were. You yeah. know what I mean? And uh, I think we're gonna talk a little bit later about some feedback we got from some sure. of the fans of the show, which really got me thinking mm-hmm. uh, about what my my ideas uh what were going on here were so to be honest with you i don't know yeah I'm, I'm, your guess I'm, is as good as mine i'm there with you i i just think that maybe there's a slight difference in trying to be provocative than just stumbling into you know provocatism if that's even a word it's like if you say if you do something that uh, manages to get under somebody's skin mm-hmm that's one thing, but if you're like starting, you have a blank page in front of you, and you're like, "How can I piss people off?" Yeah, sure. That mm, I don't know. Uh, well, Ennis, oh, go ahead. I, I just want to say, like, being pro- provocative means like that's your general sense of being. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, are you trying to breathe? Your body just naturally breathes. You don't stop sure. and think, "I must breathe. I must breathe." Well, hopefully, you don't. now I am. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Sorry about that. <laughs> but I mean. Uh, I don't know. Is that just your personality trait? Like you just all the time, you're just pissing people off left and right. You're just the rudest son of a bitch on the face of the earth. <laughs> it could, and we're actually going to get into that in the Usenet bit today. Right. Too. Awesome. Can't <laughs> wait. It's going to be fun. Um, now, he suggests, uh, Ennis, that is, that what we're going to be seeing in Preacher is sure to offend some of us. And he assures us that this is unintentional. Nothing in these pages is actually being designed to annoy or anger, but I mean, two sentences ago we were being provocative, um, and I mean, isn't the root form of provocative or one of the roots of provocative provoke? Maybe? I don't know. Uh, he does warn that this isn't the sort of book to share with your local priest, however. He then warns televangelists, reactionaries, general synods. I don't know what a synod is. I probably should have looked that up. And also parent groups to leave him alone while pointing out that they should stick to conning gullible rednecks out of their life savings and or lurking around children's playgrounds and or beating their wives. So a little little anger here. Yep. I feel like this got real. Yeah. I mean – you know, I I see myself as being fairly unconfident in my ability to create things. So maybe I might come out before I put something out there and be a little bit hyper defensive as like a as like a defense mechanism, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. self-depreciating in a way. This is not like that. <laughs> this no, is this like, is this is bring it on. <laughs> yeah, this is like you F know? you. Yep. Um, now, he's not done with just the clergy and the uh, the parents. Next up, it's time to take aim at the PC mob, and um, that's politically correct, not personal computer. He says, quote, don't you hate them? 
bunch of self-abuse experts who, who spend so much time banging on about trivia that they don't notice the whacking great hole in the ozone layer or the fact that we haven't got any whales left. To which, can't you be both? <laughs> like, can't you? And I mean, I... I I'm not huge on uh, political correctness. I feel like, uh, you know, there, there's a place for it, but I think some people do take it to the extreme. But can't you be both? Can't you be conscious about that sort of thing and care about the environment? I, I mean, not for nothing, in my experience, the more PC folks that I've talked to are the ones more interested in things like saving whales and the environment. Uh, what say you? About the whole, like, PC culture and the environment and everything? I mean, I don't know, man. You know, it's like, uh, I, I <laughs> this is going to sound weird, I suppose, but everything that comes out of my face tends to sound weird. But I think a lot of the people who rallied against PC mm -hmm. uh, culture back in the 90s mm -hmm. are the most politically correct human beings you'd meet now. Because, be, you know, yeah. we've aged. We're parents. We're, we're more sensitive to things, or, sure. you know, or, you know, more conditioned to be so, whatever the case may be here, mm -hmm. that... Yeah, anti-establishment types now are more in tune with being a politically correct human being. Sure. Uh, and that it's kind of like to to reveal how the sausage is made here. We've talked off air a little bit about this piece, and mm -hmm. something that fascinated me that I actually had to Google and look up was how old was Garth Ennis when he wrote this and when yes. he created Preacher. Mm -hmm. And I believe it was he was twenty five. Twenty five. Yeah. Now, I'm going to assume a lot of our listenership is around our age, okay? Likely, yeah. Most likely, right. Think about back when you were 25 and all the things you may have said or decisions you may have made mm -hmm. and uh, how stupid <laughs> a lot of that <laughs> would be. You know what I mean? I'm sure if Garth Ennis was sitting in front of us right now, would he retract or you know, try to talk back some of the things that he was saying in this very piece? My, And this is just me guessing mm -hmm. yet again odds are probably yeah yeah probably yeah you it's, know? it's a good thing like social media wasn't is was wasn't what it is now when we were like in our early 20s mm -hmm. <laughs> it wouldn't be good you know? yeah no i agree with you i agree with you but i mean this is like a, a thing too where uh i can relate in many ways to the way mm -hmm. he was in fact feeling back then sure you know sure. especially with the big fu mentality to everybody yeah. and like i said earlier like bring it on i made this Mm -hmm. I dare you to challenge me. Go ahead. Go go for it. You know, you, you, and you, these particular groups, I'm not even going to give you a, a moment of my time mm -hmm. because I think you are nothing but molesters and abusers. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say a speck of dirt, but there you go. Yeah. You're just pieces of crap. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know? And this was also uh, it was also a very angry decade. Uh, the counterculture was a lot different. Like there actually was a counterculture. Back then, mm -hmm. and we talked about like the Red Hot Chili Peppers last time. Yeah, like how they used to be counterculture. Now they're easy listening. You know, uh, yep. back then it was there was um, you know, everything was extreme. Like like Mountain Dew was extreme. <laughs> Fritos were yeah. extreme. Everything yeah, right. was pushing it. And I know. Like, we had we had ketchup that was like purple and hot pink. It's like everything yeah. was in your face. So. Maybe it's a sign of the times. Maybe it's a yeah. Maybe it's just that that weird sort of sort of cultural uh, movement before I, uh, uh, things change. Further, my point here that sure. I was trying to make earlier for a second, and this is this is real life, man. This is true stuff. I used to party with this guy. He was good friends with me, and he had a full back tattoo mm -hmm. of a monkey in a cage with a syringe. 
this man is now a realtor. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, he's he's a wicked nice guy, really mm-hmm. nice guy, and he he like totally got his life together. Because uh, if he's one of those people that if you'd spoken to him 20 years ago, you'd be like, this guy ain't he's not gonna live five more years. Sure, there's no way in hell. And now he is uh, shaking hands and uh, mm-hmm. selling homes, and he's on his social media all fancy with nice shirts on, without <laughs> the go. collar tips, but still nice shirts. Well, you got to get the collar tips. Come on. But that's what I'm just saying. Like people change, man. It's just they do. They do. We all do. I have. Yeah, Yeah. I have. You have. Everybody listening has. Mm So that's uh, that's part of the uh, that's part of the mission statement of the show here. You're reading this for the first time as a father. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. You're reading. Was that part of the mission statement? I didn't even realize that was like a directive. It was a uh, it was a uh, it was gravy. It was sprinkles on the Sunday. Ah, Jimmy's. Jimmy's on the oh, ice Jimmy's. cream. Yeah, we kind of stumbled into that being a uh, being a a side a side uh, benefit of the yeah. program. So yeah, yeah. I'm much softer, much gentler. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. cried at Dolphin Tale, mm-hmm. which is a movie, by the way. You don't know because you don't watch movies. I don't. I don't. I know but that uh, Hootie and the Blowfish. Uh, he he said that the dolphins made him cry once. So. Oh oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. But this is a, a movie about a uh, paraplegic dolphin. Well, a dolphin that lost his tail. Oh, okay. And so they got to fit him for a, a prosthetic. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. it's, I cried. Hey, that's a sad story. No, it really, it's not that bad. And I don't know why the hell I was tearing up at the end of it. Every Everything now just makes me cry. It sucks. It's, it's, it's troubling. Yeah. It's yeah. Let's move on. I don't want to talk about that anymore. You sure? Let's just, let's, yeah. Let's just carry on. <laughs> <laughs> me tearing up. It's like stupid movies starring <laughs> uh, Harry Connick Jr. is probably not a great talking point for this program. Yeah, you might be onto something. Um, now Ennis from here, he even he gets even more petulant. Um, and I, I put a note here. It's like, was he in high school? So we we know he wasn't in high school. Correct. He was actually right. Well, hopefully he wasn't in high school. <laughs> he was 25. Mm-hmm. Now Ennis mentions that "Gone to Texas" is a really cool name for a letters page, and suggests that if you write in, your chest your chest will swell with pride when you stamp your letters. So. I guess uh, we'll have to we'll have to leave that for anybody who might have wrote, written in. Yeah, see a lot of ERs, emergency rooms getting filled up with swollen uh, sternums. Chesticles. Yeah. Yeah. chesticles? Did you just say chesticles? <laughs> I did, I did. I apologize. Oh, my God. Uh, we got some tidbits for what's to come in Preacher here. We got the secrets of heaven and hell, the ethics of drinking blood. It's almost like there's a vampire in this book. The <laughs> slaughter of police, Jesse trying to bang his ex-girlfriend, and some dude... Trying to bang an armadillo. <clears throat> well, it's we'll tough get as there. it sounds, man. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, now, he says, Preacher is stretching the limits of Vertigo's creative freedom as it pertains to sex, violence, and swearing. And he reminds us all that cursing makes you sound like an adult. So, yeah, I guess maybe. Um, but that's not to say that Preacher is your typical Vertigo title, which, I mean, it kind of sounds like it to me, right? <laughs> Yeah. Sex, violence, cursing. That's yep. kind of vertigo. Uh, yeah. Uh, Garth then pre- proceeds to uh, speak in tongues almost. <laughs> Is that fair? Um, it's basically word salad for the next couple of paragraphs here. Um, he wants to thank O.J. Simpson. There's a, another dated reference for you. He names the Dixie Brewing Company's blackened voodoo lager as the official drink of Preacher. And the official food is a big bloody steak served with a side dish of meat. So uh, I think Morrissey is crying, right? Is it Morrissey? Yes, Morrissey. But it's it's interesting that you are uh, already creating partnerships 
or sponsorships now with uh not even with like a particular brand it's like yeah hey, bloody steak yeah. that's a preacher's steak right there so what, what would you say is the official food of this program Ooh, gabagool it's gotta gabagool. be the gabagool <laughs> ah, yeah. yeah absolutely and what about the official drink uh coffee because i'm coffee. always drinking coffee when we record like to the point where i'm like jittery so mm-hmm. i have that effect yeah. on people. you do you do so for you would be water because you drink uh an insane amount of water I, I do i've gone i've gone clean unfortunately or know. yeah i'll just say it's definitely not uh dixie brewing company's black and voodoo lager that's for sure i've never had it never will but now, do we have a, a celebrity we'd like to thank for the show <laughs> definitely not oj simpson not oj simpson uh no. yes no to oj uh i'll have to think about that because i would uh, always default to uh, che- chevy chase for yeah, chevy Ch- <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> i like that one a lot yeah just take one of the most loathed don't like chevy chase at all uh, I, I i i like him I, I think he's a very funny guy but oh, from yeah. what i've heard he's uh he's a real he's, bastard yeah now uh garth gives us the official soundtrack and uh since we didn't think of it, we'll have to we'll come back with our special our official yeah. soundtrack later on. Next here. episode, um, sure. Yeah, yeah. But he names for the book itself uh, the Pogues, Bob Molly, Ice T, Jimi Hendrix, Frank Zappa, James Taylor, and Easy E. So, um, can you imagine that on the same album? Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I that really was the could. Batman Returns for soundtrack, wasn't it? it? Well, it might have been. Yeah, it was like the uh, Doom Generation soundtrack or something. Oh. But I mean. Uh, do you remember that movie? Jeez, I haven't oh, yeah. that movie in, in 20 years. Doom Generation, I stirred yeah. something up in you, huh? I really you get you. Your juice is flowing with that one, yeah. Oh, oh, that was rough. <laughs> but this era was like the time of like the hybrid soundtrack, like the Spawn movie, Judgment okay. Night. Sure. Uh, this is when they were mixing like the hip-hop and rock artists together and stuff like that. So uh, movie soundtracks were like actually Weird. selling and popular. Yeah. That's yeah, true. The Crow. The Crow, of course. That was yeah. a big Yeah, that was sure. a big now, the official Old West outlaw is Jesse James. I, I, I don't know that I could name another. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's easy. Yeah, and uh, the official accent here is the Southern drawl, but I, I think we're going to go more Northeastern for us. Yeah, yeah. Like like you said, let's let's revisit this later. We'll compile yeah. our own lists, compare. Even though I don't really like the whole soundtrack thing, because it's like, what, what were you listening to when you wrote that? Or what were you listening to when you read it, you know? For mm-hmm. me, it'd be like Sports Talk Radio is the official soundtrack. There you go. For everything I read. <laughs> so that's boring. It all depends. Mm-hmm. Um, and now uh, Garth goes in to introduce our creative team here. Um, Steve Dillon, he's been drawing comics since he was 16. Uh, he's got some credits to his name. Judge Dredd, Nick Fury, Johnny Nemo, Screamer, and Hellblazer. And he lives in Luton, with his, or Lutton perhaps, with his wife and three children and is six foot one. So um, if you're at Trivia Night at your local pub mm-hmm. and someone asks you, uh, you know, how tall is Steve Dillon? Well, you know, six foot one. Yeah. Uh, Garth Ennis lives in either Belfast or Belfast, depending on how we say it. He worked on True Faith for a few troubles more, Judge Dredd, The Demon and Hellblazer. And he's got a girlfriend named Jane. And I meant to check to see if they were still a thing. I forgot, though. Oops. Yeah, well, may, well, maybe we'll, uh, if anybody cares, we'll figure that out next time. Or if anybody knows, or if you are Jane and you're listening, let us know. Um, <laughs> yeah, that'd be great because I keep like uh, getting curious about the motives of Garth Ennis. So mm-hmm. if you are related to Garth Ennis, know Garth Ennis, or, or are in fact 
Garth Ennis himself, mm-hmm. feel free to let us know. That'd Hit be us great. Up. Hit us yeah. up. Uh, we got Glenn Fabry who paints covers, and he's got some uh, credits as well. Slain, Judge Dredd, and Hellblazer. Matt Hollingsworth for colors. His credits include Aliens, Monkey Man and O'Brien, and Hellblazer. A lot of Hellblazer here. Um, yep. Monkey Man and O'Brien was one of those things that would pop up in Wizard from time to time. I've never been interested to check it out, though. Have you ever read a Monkey Man and O'Brien? No, and it's uh, Art Adams. It is, right? Yeah, yeah, and I like Art Adams a lot, but I think it was, it was Dark Horse, I want to say. But anyway... Um, yeah. Was it the... Uh, what was it legend was it a dark horse legend like yeah where, uh, like john byrne had his next men there mike right, Mignola. Right. yeah like the easter island statue was yes. in the corner box Moai, right yeah mm-hmm. no it was just one of those things where it's like uh monkey man o'brien to me was like oh it's like angel and the ape okay it's got yeah. arthur adams well i mean who knows because i didn't read it so i can't that's say. what i thought too though yeah i totally right agree. when you first glance and then yeah. uh yeah i love arthur adams man but it's just one of those titles i just never went out and picked up same here we got Stuart Moore, who edits, and he's got credits on Swamp Thing, The Invi- the Invisibles, and Jonah Hex, which is Garth's favorite at the moment. Uh, Clem Robbins, Letters. Garth says he doesn't know him, but he's sure he's a pretty cool bloke. Um, I, I wonder if he's secretly politically correct, and if, if so, if that would really offend Garth Ennis. Um, now, Clem's credits include Hellblazer. Stop us if you heard that before. Yeah. Black Orchid and uh, The Invisibles. Uh, Julie Rottenberg is the assistant editor and a real workhorse. And, uh, well, that's our team. Now, he says that issue four will feature the first smattering of letters, and they're going to hold a trivia contest where a letter hack can win a copy of a, the script of, for the issue that they're chattering on about. And the first question is, and we want you to pay special attention here, who said uh, – oh, boy, and I can't even pronounce one of these words. Um, <laughs> who said champagne, pâté de foie? And don't forget the color TV. And he gives the clue of fingernails down a blackboard. So, um, you know what? If anybody wants a script to this very episode, the one that we're looking at right this very second, mm-hmm. send us uh, your answer and we'll uh, we'll send it to you. And uh, maybe we'll print it out and sign it. Not Garth Ennis. Yeah. And not, and, and not Steve Dillon. And then we'll. We'll send it your way. And don't don't Google this. Don't be. Yeah, this like, is honor yeah. system here. Honor system. Yeah, totally. Like if you know this line from what movie it's, or whatever it's in TV, whatever the case may be here, just like honestly answer, man. Because, you know, it's like last episode we had questions about the um, Jack Nicholson scene. Yeah. And we couldn't in the movie. And then boom, here we go. We got people yeah, responding people on Twitter, man. Yeah, yeah, it's like, Ed but they Jeremiah knew. Hit, hooked us up. Yeah, yep. thank you, Jeremiah. You know what I mean? But he knew his stuff, and that's what we appreciate. It's like anybody, Absolutely. I could go on Google right now. I know. Don't do that. Don't be that yeah. guy. We don't yeah. want to be that guy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, sh- who said champagne, pate foie, uh, de foie, and uh, don't forget the color TV? That's that's the big question here. Um, now that was gone to Texas part one. Part two is. It's just the cover of Preacher number three. <laughs> it's just, that's it. That's it. And it's got uh, Cassidy with like a bloody mouth because uh, we think he's a vampire. Maybe. Yeah. Don't know. Suspect he's a vampire. Yes. yes. Now, Garth did say that they don't have letters till issue four, which makes makes it so we have to go back to our always reliable Usenet. And uh, we're going to start with a piece by Michael Bradley Lyle who wrote in on March 30th, 1995 at 12.59 a.m. and 50 seconds. And he says, one word for this comic, gratuitous. Gratuitous vampire character. I guess he is a vampire. Gratuitous guy with face shot off character. Gratuitous (laughs) two-page Nirvana monologue. 
gratuitous translated dialogue for said character, gratuitous nose ripping, gratuitous word, gratuitous use of the F word, even for a hick stereotype, gratuitous tobacco spitting indoors, gratuitous disarmament, gratuitous bad pun from reviewer, gratuitous ridiculously drawn gunshot wounds, gratuitous, gratuitous does no meaning anymore. I'm looking at this word and it's, it's like moving on the screen. Um, and, and if you answer that question, you'll get this script and you'll see it moving on the screen too. Uh, gratuitous bad vampire eating habits. Geez, I feel like Joe Bob. Gratuitous gratuitousness. Yeah. You know, it's gratuitous. His online handle mm-hmm. where he decided to use his full name, Bradley, uh, Michael Bradley Lyle. Yeah, it's a big Who one. Who does that? Who does that now? Like no one, yeah. Yeah, even back in 95, you kind of want a little anonymity. He's like, a little oh, bit. This is, might as well put his social security number in there. Yeah. Yeah. I hope he has life lock. Um, now, <laughs> yeah. So apart from all of that, still somehow an intriguing book in in MBL's opinion. If Garth Ennis gets over this pathological need to shock people, I haven't read anything else by him. Is he always like this? This could turn out to be a really good book, in my humble opinion. I can't believe IMHO was already an acronym back in 1995. Yeah, he used the acronym, but uh, the full name is the handle. This guy, he's an enigma. (laughs) He is a riddle. Yeah. Yeah. He says, also, why 25 pages of story of all numbers? Just wondering. Of course, for $2.50, if he continues this gratuitous trend, I may buy a copy and a half of Impulse instead of this first story arc, after this first story arc concludes. I'll give him the first four issues. Any other opinions? Or did anybody, did everybody else drop it after issue one? Uh, before we get into some answers here, you have anything uh, to say about Michael Bradley Lyle's um, missive here? Uh, well, no, I interjected and gave my opinions. I, I do... I don't know. Like I recently uh, put some on my poll list and I dropped it after issue one. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking like, I wanted to ask the question, how often do you pull the trigger on that? But you do your comics mail order. And I know you're also like a sucker. I'm an idiot. Well, no, 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 no. (laughs) But you are like a sucker for continuity and keeping like runs intact and everything. But let's say it's an issue one. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, you, do you generally, I am going to kind of rephrase this, I guess, sure. would you, if the story is ho-hum or something, maybe you're not like attracted to right off the bat, would you still kind of, oh, I'll give it a second issue or do you go, nah, full stop. You, you know, I've actually, I've actually only done like a single issue of some things that I've tried. So okay. I, could, I could totally understand. Uh, and then this is like going back a ways to where like before everything was kind of written for the trade. So yeah, after the first issue, you kind of would have a pretty decent impression of what you're going to get. It's not just, you know, the, it's not just the introduction of the introduction. It's right. basically, you get, you get for the most part, you get a full ish story with a lot of, you know, breadcrumbs leading you down the road. I have dropped books after one issue. Um, I've also bought like runs of books and I've read the first issue and not read on. Yeah, I know. So, um, that's you're crazy. I know, I know. Uh, I won't so, call you an idiot like you did, but you're, you're crazy. <laughs> I am nuts. Um, it, it, you know, that's a good one for the listeners here. Ha- have you guys, uh, or gals ever picked up the first issue of a book and decided right then and there that you were done with it, or maybe not even finished the issue itself? You'd be like, screw this. Yeah, I'm done. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Or would you yeah. give it a full, would you give it a full arc? Would you just buy it because you like the author, the, the creator, the artist? We want to know those things. Those seem like the most like uh, yeah. blasé questions, but those are things that kind of excite us. So. Yeah, it's like, you know, connecting as fellow collectors, really. Absolutely. I, and for me, honestly, uh, I am H.O. Mm-hmm. It's not something I do very often. 
I'm not like a big buyer of, of recent comics. My poll list now is is relatively small, but I mean Jeez. this this recent thing I bought, I was like, oh, this is garbage. Oh my god, I can't believe I dropped four ninety nine on this thing. I don't know if I want to ask you what it was. Um, yeah, it was uh, Chicken Devil. Oh, you'd mentioned that, yeah. Yeah, okay. from Aftershock, and it's getting a lot of love online, which mm-hmm. uh, I kind of ranted about that kind of stuff <laughs> uh, last time out. But I, I, I was like, let me give it a shot. It looks cool. Mm-hmm. I like the concept of it. But oh my gosh, that was okay. uh, that was yeah, not good mm-hmm. to the point where I just did not want to even spit. And that's the other thing too, right? If it was like uh, seventy five cents, you go, oh, what the hell? I'll oh, give yeah. it another. Yeah. Another try, whatever, it's just some pocket change. Yeah, yeah, but hey, like I'm spending five dollars on this thing, and the only thing impressive about it is like the paper stock. Uh, no, yeah. no. So yeah, negativo. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, now Todd Verbeek here, and we're the time is a little bit weird on these use that things. We're only going to mention like two more times because I think the times went to to Kaka here. Uh, okay. Todd Verbeek, Todd Verbeek, ten seconds later wrote uh, a reply and says, "I dropped this after issue one." So he answered Todd, my question. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Todd, we know Todd, how you if you're, if you're listening, Todd. We want to we want to hear if you've done this before, or if you've come back and bought these issues here. And I guess while we work our way through using that, maybe we'll see. We'll see Todd's future uh, thoughts here. Uh, now, Charles A. Rich, another full name, March 31st, 1995, also at 1 a.m. So exactly 24 hours later. So we're, we're just not going to use the timestamps. We'll just use the dates. Um, he says, well, I may be leaving myself wide open, but I've got a buzz from giving blood and then going out for a few gin and tonics. So who cares? I like it. Yes, there isn't much subtlety to the book, but that wasn't Ennis's style on Hellblazer. Ennis likes to get up in your face. I won't deny that there are people who will be annoyed, bugged, bored, or repulsed by the story. That's the point. After all the criticism leveled at Ennis on RACM, that's Iraq Arts Comics Miscellaneous, for his treatment of Constantine, Constantine, he now has a chance to make a character without any preconceived notions of how he should be or is expected to be. Just for the record, I'm in the camp that thoroughly enjoyed Ennis's run on Hellblazer. After the first arc by Delano, I got as annoyed at the preachy white man's guilt he played with JC as so many claim to be at Ennis's angry, pissed-off version of JC. So, um, yeah, Charles Rich liked it. Okay. He liked it here. Um, he mentioned Jamie Delano, who's not a favorite of mine. I'm not a fan of Delano. I, it's the reason why I never got into Hellblazer is because he wrote the first trade, Jamie yeah. Delano, and I can't get through it. <laughs> it's just not great, in my opinion, in my opinion. And it's interesting here because uh, this is uh, not really paying attention to the Vertigo end of Usenet back in the 90s. And only really getting my NS information from Wizard, hearing that there was any sort of negative reaction to him is kind of surprising to me. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I you're right because it's the thing is like your news source was uh, basically fluffing. What was a yeah was a pr- pr- like a like a pamphlet of uh, what's that <laughs> word I'm thinking of here propaganda. propaganda? Yeah. 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 How did I come up with that before you? This is like a bizarre <laughs> world. I misuse words on a regular basis. Uh, but yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I feel you, though. Mm-hmm. I, I totally feel you. So, yeah. I mean, it's interesting to know that there were readers out there who didn't care for something. I mean, otherwise, how would you know unless you went to your local comic book shop and were just like surveying <laughs> other people browsing the racks, you know? Sure. For sure. Now, Todd Verbeek, he responds on the very same day, March 31st, 1995, and he says, 
If the point of creating something is to annoy, bug, bore, or repulse, I'm just not interested in it. Nor is this what I try to do when I create a drawing, story, photo, or essay. I prefer art that excites, amuses, involves, or challenges me. Everything's got to be in fours here. Um, he says, I recognize that this is just a personal preference, of course. Ennis, Maplethorpe, or Diana is free to work toward whatever goal they want in creating their art. And uh, I mean, we know who Ennis is because he's done, you know, he's the author here. Mm-hmm. Maplethorpe and Diana. Um, I know who I knew who Diana was, but Maplethorpe is a character or a fella that I've heard of before. I just didn't know anything about him. So we did a little bit of a rabbit hole on Robert Maplethorpe or Mapplethorpe. Now, he was a photographer who was known to push the envelope. In the mid to late 70s, he took photos that were deemed possibly persecutable as obscenity or prosecutable. Mm, easy for me to say. One of those photos was called Elmut and Brooks, New York City, 1978, which featured anal fisting. Okay. We also got Jim and Tom, Sausalito, 1977, which featured men in bondage with one urinating into the other's mouth. So, yeah, it's pretty, pretty heavy stuff for the 70s, I guess, um, even to today. Ultimately, no legal action was taken on Maplethorpe. Now, in 1986, he held an exposition called Black Males and a book called Black Book, which many felt was exploitative for their depictions of black men. And uh, if I'm going to guess, the Diana he's talking about is Michael, Mike Diana of Boiled Angel fame, uh, there's still a script on my on my drive here for a cosmic treadmill after dark where we were going to cover boiled angel, which is messed up. Um, <laughs> now, Mike Diana was the first American artist to receive a criminal conviction in the United States for artistic obscenity, which is uh, ridiculous because it wasn't relatively speaking. It wasn't too long ago that, yeah. so, that oh. he was convicted for something he drew. It's insane. It's insane. Dark. He's a crazy Vanderbeast, man. Now, this guy's come with some references I never heard of. Holy yeah. macaroni. Yeah, I, I, I the only time I ever heard of Maplethorpe was um I think there was like a, a 3DO game. Like that had like you basically were just looking at pictures he drew or drawings that he had of flowers. And that was it. So yeah. that's the only time I ever heard of him. I didn't know anything about the uh, the potential obscenity and all that stuff. Now, Charles A. Rich, he ain't done. He's responding to Todd oh. here. Okay. Uh, April 1st, 1995, he says, I'll give, it an, I'll give it another brief try at defending Ennis. His rant at the end of the first issue made it clear that this book would not be subtle for those who couldn't figure it out from the rest of the comic. I agree with your opinion about preferred art. This is just a difference of opinion. I find Preacher amusing. I looked forward to issue two, and now I'm looking forward to issue three. I think part of my liking what Ennis does is that it lacks subtlety. I get the feeling that some writers get so wrapped up in being subtle about expressing expressing their thoughts or beliefs that it bogs down an otherwise good story or character for the sake of the subtle point they're trying to put across. Just my thoughts, however fleeting they may be. And um, I think uh, I think all Chuck here has a has kind of a point, you know, um, as it pertains to the value of not always being subtle. You know, yeah, I feel like um, like I feel like with the proto vertigo and into the vertigo stuff here, I think a lot of writers, a lot of writers got kind of up their own ass about trying to do the exact same thing as a Moore or as a Morrison where like there are there are writers who could do symbolism and subtlety and it would resonate throughout the rest of the story. And it's something that would stick with you. 
then it felt like we were just kind of doing it to do it. Like to prove that we're smarter than comic books. Yeah. Right. You know, um, any, any thoughts on that and any thoughts on Mr. Rich's, uh, uh rebuttal here? This is an adult medium and I'm going to prove it. Yes. Uh, I'm no, but start my title with an F word. Yes. Uh, I actually just, I, I like his response where it's like, Hey man, you like what you like. I like what my, I like. And you know, yeah, exactly. It's wow. We just go on with our day. You know, I, I think both of these arguments to call them that are, are very articulated and very well written. Uh, so I'm kind of in shock and awe, yeah. you know, now we're confined to so many characters to express our feelings that these guys, uh, it's like they took the, the time to like write something insightful in, in, in uh, Charles's case right here. He didn't have to write a lot. To make a, a solid point. Sure. So, and, yeah, and right they on. Never, they never accused each other of living in their parents' basement. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that something? They never, like, guessed what kind of beard they had, if it's a neck beard. I mean, it's it's pretty good. Nobody was called a baby man. It's really good stuff. <laughs> is that uh, a bad thing? You're a baby man. You're you're a man baby. Or is um, there, like, a comma there? Huh? Or is, no. it, is it, like, the <laughs> it's actual? Not, it's not Austin Powers here. It's <laughs> oh, that was okay. a movie reference. Yes, that's rare. That's yeah, rare I've never seen the movie, but I, I'm 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 familiar with the the catchphrase. Yeah. Uh, next up, we got Christopher Allen Crane, who's going back a day to March 31st. And what is going on with these names, dude? Full names. Full. This I know, is crazy. I know a lot of these were um, like Usenet, like you could find Usenet posts or BBS posts going back to like 1980, uh-huh. and most of them are from like uh, colleges. So people would log in from their colleges. So okay. I think that's why a lot of these are full names. I'd have to guess. Otherwise, it's very, very dumb because the next one is not going to have one of those names. But. <laughs> yeah, but it's like I want credit for my opinions. Yes, please. Yes. Weird. So is, I'm printing this out and putting it on the wall. <laughs> uh, now, uh, Chris Crane says, uh, I'm really intrigued by the Preacher book so far. Jesse's power is just really cool. And although the va- vampire character, how do they know this vampire? Hey, is a uh, Somewhat unnecessary. I love vampires, and I really can't complain about his presence. I was a bit annoyed at the Kurt Cobain conversation, as I'm a huge Nirvana fan, but I'm willing to overlook it. Not sure what Goth's going to do with the kid, though. Maybe Preacher could use the word to command the boy's face back into place. I don't think so. Just a thought. Yes, the swearing is gratuitous, but since I never really bought the foul, foul language taboo anyway, I don't really mind it too much. I actually know people who say the F word that much. Plus, the art is just tremendous. Wooden teeth notwithstanding. Oh, no. um, Don't do I'm, it. Stop. <clears throat> sorry. Stop it. I'm really impressed thus far, although it doesn't quite beat Jonah Hex, which is fast becoming a fave. Just my opinion. So uh, Crane digs it. He doesn't like the Nirvana reference, but uh, I don't know. Next up is The Kid, or Thy Kid. T-H-Y-K-D. So... Doesn't uh, really? doesn't fill out his whole name. I can't, I thought it was thicked. So maybe it is thicked. He's yeah. another he's another ass man out he there. Might. Yeah. <laughs> That's his license plate too. Uh, <laughs> on March 31st, yeah. he says, I can't really comment on number two since I get my stuff from Westfield, so I feel like I'm on tape delay sometimes. Number one is certainly gratuitous, but what the hell. I, for one, enjoyed Garth's run on Hellblazer and look forward to where he's going to take this title. My only gripe is that, as a one-time Southern Baptist, I've never seen a Baptist minister wear a collar. So uh, I basically included this one for the collar quote. 
Mm-hmm. And also to point out a pet peeve of mine, like when people start their sentences with I for one. Sure. Like who the yeah. hell else are you talking for? Yeah. Just say I. I enjoyed Garth's Gone <laughs> on Hellblazer. I for one? No. Stop. Yeah. Stop. It's You're like, not uh, special. That's just annoying. for argument's sake. Yeah. No, I mean, I, yeah. I don't want to argue. So why, why are you saying just for argument's sake? <laughs> We're not going to yell and not, argue not about Not to play this. devil's advocate, but. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, here's my two cents on yep. this matter. Sure to irritate you. Yeah, so thicked. Cut for one out of your vocabulary, please. Right? Uh, I kind of like thy kid now. I kind of think of it. It's good. Yeah. yeah. I think I for one is up there with. Is it just me or am I the only one? Because mm. it's like, you're, yes, you're the only one. You're the yeah. only one who's ever had that opinion ever. Well, that cuts deep because usually if I put some out on the Internet, I am the only person because <laughs> uh, I don't get any responses <laughs> or any like clicks or like heart clicks or anything. So it's like, I, for one, feel this way uh, or, you know, is it is it just me? Yeah, it is just me. It's just me floating around on the ether. That's me. I can't be the only one. Yeah, um, I am. <laughs> Next up, we got Damon B. Crumpler on uh, April 1st. Which, uh, Damon B. Crumpler is a is a top-tier name. Yeah. He says, what's the point of offending someone just for the sake of offending them? Easy. Most people get offended at stupid, inconsequential things, like, say, certain authors not using capitals. And I guess it's worth noting that Damon B. Crumpler does not use a – he only – he uses one capital in this entire like sentence here, this entire yeah. run-on sentence. It's just in the middle of the sentence. I don't know. Uh, he says that these are ultimately meaningless and also contradictory when compared to similar things that the self-same people don't, with a capital D, get offended by. He continues, it's actually quite fun from the perspective of someone who doesn't get offended much to push others' buttons. So this guy sounds like a dickhead, doesn't he? Uh, I guess I, I like his like reverse Bayou Billy here when you he said he doesn't use capital letters, <laughs> because for those who don't know, if you ever go back and read Bayou Billy from Archie comics, everything is yelling. Everything's ended in an exclamation mark. Like even yes. if they were supposed to be whispering, it's mm-hmm. like exclamation mark at the end. So I see a gator. Yeah. Yeah. Exclamation. So, yeah, he's anti Bayou Billy. Mm-hmm. And that's that features some very early Amanda Connor art as well. It does. Yes. And I, our boy continues here. Haven't gotten Preacher 2 yet, but count me in as someone who liked Ennis's Hellblazer and Preacher number one. Sometimes pure raw violence and gore sprinkled with black or should I say African-American humor, because this guy's hilarious, is entertaining. I certainly don't think Ennis is as complex as Delano, but he is more fun. So um, Todd Verbeek. The most prolific replier here. Mm-hmm. He responds to Damon's dickheadedness on April 5th. He says, but I don't read books in order to amuse the writers. I read to amuse myself. And there was a there was little in Preacher to amuse me. And for that matter, I no longer find it personally amusing just to push people's buttons. There are far better things out there. My 12-year-old cousin has pretty much outgrown it as well. So, sick burn there, Todd. Yeah, and, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Brad Hall, he agrees with the idea that the book is gratuitous. Back to to April 1st here. Um, He says, yep, I think I'll buy one more for good measure and then I'm out. The first one kept me interested with what I thought was Garth's ability to write great dialogue. This issue put put an end to that. The story and characters haven't interested me yet, and I don't expect them to anytime soon. Strange, too, since I seem to be one of the few people here who greatly enjoyed Garth's run on Hellblazer. 
I guess this was just wasn't enough for him. Oh well. Um, he's one of the few. One of the uh, is this like him trying to make himself like seem like unique by pointing out he's part of a minority opinion? Uh, I mean that's something that we I think we've grown into on the internet, right? Like if I post, like if I post the cover of Action Comics Weekly with Black Canary burning her costume, there's gonna be someone who says there's gonna be like a hundred people who say, oh I'm one of the very few people who like that costume. Yeah. Well, no, look at the other people who replied to this. <laughs> they all liked it, too. It's like, oh, unpopular opinion. I think Dazzler's a pretty cool character. It's like, yes, you and 100,000 other people. No, no, I think you picked the wrong analogy there with the Dazzler. In the X-Men world. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, there we go. Let's narrow it down. In just a niche a of a niche of a niche, yes. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, so um, question, uh, neither of us followed Ennis's Hellblazer at the time. Was it really disliked? I, I, the only word I ever remember hearing about it was people raving about it, even you know from the day of until now. And this is run on preacher on Hellblazer is one that's looked back on fairly fondly. So yeah. any listeners out there who were more familiar with this than us, let us know what the uh, what the feeling was, what the tone and tenor was regarding Hellblazer by Ennis. So we don't know. And uh, we don't know if maybe Brad Hall was the only person in the world who liked it. Doubt Could it he like be it. the only one? Yeah, no, 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 no. And I'm, I'm, yeah. One great thing about when you dig up these Usenet posts is mm-hmm. it's wonderful to find out what people are actually thinking in real time back yeah. then. Again, when it wasn't as easily accessible as it is now to find out people's opinions on things. Sure. So if you're going to let me know what you think about uh, Ennis's Hellblazer, I want to know if you were buying it off the rack and what you thought way back when. Because, you know, time time always uh, paints a rosy picture, oh, doesn't it? A little portrait with uh, happy trees and stuff. <laughs> yes, we always think about, like, how the books these days don't really don't, – they're not as good as the books when we were kids. Whether that's true or not, it's it's all relative, I suppose. So No, some of the yeah. books are pieces of crap. That's also true. <laughs> yeah, but, but you look at it, you go, oh, my God, I, I used to love this book. I read it. 15 times you know in mm-hmm. one day and everything else and i the cover fell off and then you look at, off, yeah yeah you look <laughs> at it now you're like what a piece of junk this was how the hell did Secret i like that number one, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i was the biggest gargoyle fan gargoyle <laughs> and the Iceman together <laughs> sold action that um now we have soren f peterson who chimes in on the gratuitousness on april the first says uh given that i thoroughly enjoyed it enjoyed this book i think that you described it very well Ennis is clearly laying on all the hick noir stereotypes with a trowel and is clearly is equally clearly enjoying himself immensely. If he can keep up the quality on the gratuitous Tarantino dialogue, if he can maintain the gratuitous lightness of touch and the equally gratuitous black humor, and if if he can avoid the gratuitous righteous indignation that marred Hellblazer, well, I, for one, will continue to have a gratuitous good time. Does that... does that make yeah, him sound yeah. smarter than if he would have just said, I will continue? Uh, you know what makes me feel stupid is uh, mm. you just said secret defenders and I just made a new defenders reference. I was going to let that slide. You were? Why, dude? I don't know. Fix me, man. Correct oh. me. You know, it's like, don't be the guy like if I walk walk in and my zip is down, you don't say, hey, you fly guy. You know what I mean? Or you get a booger. Tell me I got a booger hanging out of my nose. Don't I'd be, just, like, I'd be afraid go. to be like, why are you looking at my crotch, man? Well, this is different. We're talking about the, the defendants. <laughs> this, this is, is true. This is important stuff. Hey. 
<laughs> now, uh, we got Magnus Anderson, which is another top-tier name. Yeah. Uh, he drops his first ever Usenet post on March 7th, 95, and it's a biggie. He says, Gratuitous is good. Preacher is one of my favorite comics at the moment. I think it's a well-told yarn with plenty to keep the bloodthirsty masses happy. The characters are cheerfully entertaining and given great lines. I didn't find it shocking, particularly. It was in, it was in a way push, just pushing all the buttons, but they were the right buttons played by a maestro. Readers of the UK's 2000 AD will know the Grant Morris and Mark Miller character Bill, Big Dave, not you, different guy, uh, which caused a great deal of controversy here. I enjoyed that in the same way that I enjoyed Preacher, although the former did have a clear target. The attention was never to, was never allowed to flag. I can see that it may not be loved in some quarters, although, as others have mentioned, this is always acknowledged by Ennis. Religious folks, by and large, should avoid vertigo altogether, it seems. But I cannot understand taking such exception to the swearing. As a word itself, surely nobody can take offense to its merely appearing on the page, certainly in an environment where such is where, where such as this, where it is expected. When it's used, it conveys the way the characters talk or articulates what they're saying. The only serious objection is if it subsumes the dialogue, and in this case, in my humble opinion, IMHO, it doesn't. Anyway, I can't wait for the rest of it. So this was what uh, inspired Magnus Anderson to write his first ever Usenet post. How would you grade his first ever uh, post? I'm more uh, taken aback that you called me or referred uh, Big Dave, like not you. Because, I'd make sure. Well, a, no, no, true you story. Might, you might have been there, right? Well, no, I, I'm full of these. I like to always uh, lead off with true story. But uh, my nickname in high school was Little Dave because really? everybody was named Dave. And there was like a, one dude who's a, a ginormous. And, of course, mm-hmm. he was Big Dave. There was another guy they called him Middle Dave. Mm-hmm. And then I, being the shortest, was uh, Little. But then I didn't like that because, you know, people, uh, you know, kind of – kind of get their own impressions when you sure. when your nickname starts with little yeah and it's no fun so uh we change it to ld and there's still people to this day when they refer to me they call me ld so wow yeah how about that yeah as far as his post i mean good way to pop your cherry i guess there magnus uh yeah. you know there you go buddy you wrote words there are letters Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, to discuss shock for shock's sake, this is something we discussed uh, last episode, talking about what was the goal here, right? Is this something yeah. that was meant to insult or offend or shock? We're going to go back to our good friend, Michael Bradley Lyle. Now, on April 2nd, 1995, he says, too many things seem designed to shock us. I was worried about the vampire, but now the kid with the face shot off is the character most in need of a damned good reason for existing. And in two issues, I've seen a stray bullet rip out somebody's cheeks. Why not hit him in the arm or the chest or hell in the head? And the main character stick his fingers in a man's nose and tear out his nostrils. Why not just punch him in the face if he's going to start a fight? So I'm starting to think that this might not be the book for Michael Bradley Lyle. No, I, you know, it's it's fantasy. It's fiction. I, yeah. I don't know, man. It's like, uh, oh, I can't believe that Superman. He can fly. That's the most ridiculous. Then why the hell did you buy a Superman book? I mean, I know yeah. Preacher, you know, is something new or whatever, but if you don't like violence, like, come on, man. So what is this? He ripped a guy's nose off. I mean, and give me they, a break. And they weren't shy about this even in the first issue. We did see an angel with its head torn off. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah. This, is, this shouldn't have been a surprise with it's the second weird. issue. Yeah, it's like a nitpicky thing. It's like, oh, yeah. well, I was expecting to get punched in the face. Anybody could write that. I mean, anybody could write tear the guy's nose off as well, too. But I mean, still, 
You get a little uh, extra, you know, bang for your buck there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and our, our man Rosendo, he responds to this on April 2nd, basically with what you said here. He says, because that's what everybody does. That's why. That's why he doesn't do those things. Uh, personally, I'm really enjoying – personally is better than I for one. Uh, I am really enjoying <laughs> this new series, even though we only have seen two issues. I like Garth's tendency to go over the top with things and take them just a step beyond the ordinary. If Jesse hadn't ripped the guy's nose off, it would have just been another fight. This was obviously a result of Genesis, as I doubt that Jesse would have done something like that on his own. Which makes me wonder, just what is Genesis? I just can't wait for the showdown with the saint of all killers. That's going to be something. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty good response from Rosendo there. And it basically echoed what you said. It's like... That's easy, you know. Rosendo, my man, Rosendo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rosendo, uh, if you if you uh, if you're here listening, uh, hit us up. We'll we'll get you a fake ass no prize for your for your answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now uh, that'll do it for our Usenet look here, but um, we're not done with the issue. We do have the on the edge piece here. This is kind of the bullpen bulletins, of course, and this one's written by Karen Berger. Now you remember how last episode we read that bit out of Wizard about a price hike to the Vertigo line, right? Well, here's Karen Berger being pretty transparent about how it's all going down. And I mean, this is like Stan Lee levels of transparency, like showing the readers respect and treating them like adults, which is much better than the price hikes nowadays, where like if you uh, complain now, you're you're a man baby. Um, though in fairness, there were less Jagoffs running into the Internet to complain and attempt to foment boycott movements back in 1995 over price hikes. So. There you go. Uh, Burger blames, uh, and stop us if you heard this one before, rising paper prices. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also touts the improvements to the paper quality. Yeah, sure. You know, <laughs> it's like we just uh, was talking about dropping chicken devil after issue number yes. one. And the good thing I could say about it was like, oh, it's good sturdy paper stock. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, funny, you know, <laughs> considering how overall paper quality, right, blows in 2021. So yeah, here she is talking about improving it. And for all the advancements mankind has made over the years, we seem to go backwards when, yeah. when it comes to paper stock. It's true. Why is that? Why is every comic I buy now look like it's been uh, run through a, a dryer yeah. for a half an hour before it arrives in the comic book shop? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember uh, when I was doing the Chris's on Infinite Earth thing uh, back in the day where like every day I would review a book and I take pictures of the books. Mm. And if I'm doing like a book from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, it's like oh, easy to snap a picture of a panel. Yeah. When you get into the glossy stuff, dude, every it looks like it looks like like you're taking a picture of a sunburn. It's yeah. like oh, my God. blistery and disgusting and. Like you can't see like every little bit of light reflects off of them. It's it's not a fun reading experience. Yeah, they're all wavy. It's like a Zen oh, yeah. God or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, hashtag Baxter stock people. There you go. Let's there go back go. In, in time where a little bit of wax on your paper was just enough to suffice. Now it's yeah. like unbelievable. I mean, um, vault comics. I've been mm-hmm. uh, reading a, a title from theirs. I love the book. I love the book mm-hmm. to death. I can't, I can't get enough of it. But I, every time I pick it up, I'm like, Oh, not this paper again. <laughs> you know, it just yep. drives me mad, dude. Yep. It's like uh, when you take something out of the dryer, like five minutes early, mm. <laughs> it's like just got that weird wrinkle to it. it yeah. It's uncomfortable. It's not good. Imagine um, the, the one person out there who likes it. It's like, Oh, wait, this comic isn't wavy. Let me go leave it on my dashboard for a half an hour and then I can read it. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I need the waves, damn it. How else is the Hulk going to be immortal? 
Um, now, uh, the paper quality, it's worth noting, is, is quite good in, in this 1995 issue. It's like uh, it's still kind of newsprinty, still kind of backstory. It's just a little bit thicker. And it, uh, in my opinion, it makes the art pop a little bit. Uh, it's probably my favorite comics look. It's not wavy, glossy, blistery. Uh, it's also not spotty newsprint. And I mean, we all have, you know, affection for the spotty newsprint. But this, I think, is really, really good stuff um, in as far as the paper quality. A nice happy medium between making it look uh, making it look, you know, brand new and making it look classic. I, right. I don't know. I know when I because uh, when I left comics briefly, they were doing like the X-Men deluxe stuff, which was like uh, it was 1995, actually. And that was the first time I saw the wavy pages and just uh, the coloring was so muddy. It felt like like you were afraid to touch the page because you thought the ink was going to come out, come off onto you because it was just that heavily laid into it. Uh, When I came back to comics, I was post bankruptcy. So they were using the 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 stock again, the uh, the more newsprinty stuff is a lot better, in my opinion. Now, Berger says that they wanted to keep the price increase small, and so they had to sacrifice one story page per issue. And again, that's transparent. You can appreciate that. Um, when nowadays, Marvel will send out a 16-pager, charge five bucks for it, and then mock anyone who dares to actually count the pages. <laughs> right. You know, why, why are you counting pages? Just enjoy the story. It's like, well, dude, it took me two seconds to read the story. That's why I'm yeah. counting the pages. I'm trying to get my right. money's worth. Let this book entertain me for a few more seconds. Uh, now she then lists a bunch of new projects to look out for from Vertigo, which I'm sure we'll be giving at least a passing mention to as we continue on. So not quite as incendiary or potentially incendiary as the Steve Dillon missive last time, but um, right. information packed. So that's good. Now, Vertigo in March 1995, we have a listing of books here. I don't think we have anything to say about any of them, but uh, we've got the Tank Girl movie adaptation. And stop me if anything sticks out to you here. We got the Sandman Mystery Theater Tarantula Trade Paperback, The Endless Gallery, Black Orchid 21, Sandman Mystery Theory, Mystery Theory, no, Mystery Theater 26, Shade the Changing Man 59, Hellblazer 89, Moonshadow 9 of 12, Sandman 68, Swamp Thing 154. Okay, stop. Stop right there. Hit me. That uh, Swamp Thing 154, part of the uh, River Run Mm -hmm. uh, storyline, very good. Oh, there you go. Okay, carry on. Sorry, but you told me to. You, you yeah, said, hey, man, no, no, no. I'm, stop I'm me if you want to say it. anything. So I and, stopped you. And now we're going to go to the polar opposite, Animal Man number 83, which was garbage. Aha. This was the Jerry Prosser run. Not good. Uh, Jonah Hex, Riders of the Worm and Such, three of five. Mob Fire, six of six. And Preacher, number two. Next month, we got Goddess, number one of eight, which I believe is Garth Ennis. Uh, we got Kill Your Boyfriend, a an original, tra- an original graphic novel by Grant Morrison and... Um, is it Chris Weston? Maybe it was Chris Weston. I can't remember off the top of my head. I've got it on my shelf. I don't even have a shelf right now, but I have it in a box somewhere <laughs> and uh, never read it. That was always going to be a Cosmic Treadmill book, but never got to it. Uh, we got Sandman, The World's NTPB, and Tank Girl, The Odyssey, number one of four. And I think we both talked about how little we cared for uh, Tank Girl last yeah. time. And the movie stunk. I think I said that last time, too. I so I think so. Now, ads, um, really not a whole lot to talk about as per, as for the ads here. They're not very different from what we had last time, but there is new CDs being advertised yeah. here. Like our Sam Goody page has two different CDs on it. And we also have on our back cover uh, a CD that uh, that you have a few things to say about. 
No, I got nothing to say about it. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no. It's just it, it, when we were uh, dissecting what we're going to look at here in the CDs and stuff, it was like uh, it's mad season. Yeah. And that was Listen actually down. Well, it, they um, River Deceit was one of their. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. There, there you River go. So I mean, that's what you were down, thinking of. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely the one I was thinking of. And it was a cool project. You had guys from Pearl Jam and uh, the singer from Alice in Chains in there, whatever. But, but the thing that really strikes me is that when I see ads like this, it's almost like, wow, they advertise this in a comic book? Yep. And you forget that, <laughs> yeah, they work quite frequently. It's just like nowadays, though, and again, it's like saying gratuitous. We're going to get a nickel every time we say <laughs> nowadays. Take a shot, everybody. But – you get these nostalgic vibes because a lot of things aren't advertised to me anymore yeah. unless they include like a long, lengthy, girthy list of side effects <laughs> You know, <laughs> at my age. So it's like, hey, this is a CD you actually might be interested in. And I would have been at the time. Holy moly. This is really neat. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I don't want to get like too far into the weeds here or anything, but I don't know. You forget about those moments in time. You, you forget about those those things that might have appealed to you, you know? Totally. So, yeah. Totally. Give me a little warm and fuzzy feeling. It it, it was always weird because I, I didn't buy the Vertigo stuff at the time. And um, when I started buying it, it was one of those things that was kind of jarring because these these ads are just so much so much different, of course, from nowadays, but also from the contemporary books, you know, the DC books and the Marvel books at the time, because these were skewed to a little bit more of a mature, a little bit more of an older audience. And the uh, the ads reflected that. You know, yeah. you're not going to see a mad season ad in in an issue of Superman, probably, or at least not back then. So it's a, it's pretty cool to see something like that here. And we also have some like movie ads, but like really, I, you know, I don't see movies, and I don't know if we have anything to say about uh, this weird Nicolas Cage thing here. Uh, do, do you remember anything about? Let me scroll to it here. Kiss of Death. No, it's got David Caruso in it, but I will yep. say this: uh, Nicolas Cage, he's looking pretty pretty good, especially he's got a goatee. Uh, yeah, you get the goatee going, so yeah. he's looking healthy. Mm-hmm. Samuel L. Jackson is also in this film, so mm-hmm. he is. Uh, feel free to send in your reviews. Yeah, we want to hear. Yeah, we're we're gonna just preemptively give it a ten out of ten. <laughs> That's what we do here. No, so we, no, 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 no. <laughs> Not doing that. But it's from and my my entire review is gonna say from the director of Single White Female and Reversal of Fortune. That's my entire review. Ten out of ten. Single White Female was a pretty good movie. You ever see that one? I saw bits and pieces of it. Bits and pieces? What yeah. are you in? It's like a I, weird thing. I see bits. I mean, I get it. Like, sometimes I'm like a like, sampler of a yeah, film. Or, yeah. or if it's on TV, like, a few times in the, in the matter of a month. You get it from the osmosis. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I saw 15 minutes of that or whatever. I think I watched High Fidelity that way. I think that oh, I did you? That. Yeah. Yeah, like, just it was on Comedy Central, like, 17 times a day. So I think I just yeah. caught it. Yeah. Don't know if I've ever seen it in, in full, but, uh, yeah, I've seen right. enough of it. Um, we, we have our uh, Sam Goody music land thing here. We got Belly, which I remember hating. That's like Feed the Tree, right? Yeah. 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 And then Better Than Ezra, which is um, which is one of those uh, – that, that song Good is one that like is always stuck in my damn head. Um, and anytime I hear it, I think of that uh, – of Generation X, the comic book. I don't know why I associate the two, mm-hmm. but I do. And anytime I hear Good. Well, we but. talked earlier about Legacies spawning mm-hmm. from your art imagine being the bass player in belly yeah you, you, at the time you thought hey this is it man we're like, feeding I'm, the tree. I'm, yeah we're feeding the tree i'm super popular like this is great people know my music and everything else and now here we are in uh 2021 i almost said 2001 
We're here in 2021, and no one knows who the hell I am, who my band was, or even uh, barely a song we ever produced. So, <laughs> when one of my songs comes on the radio, people think it's Bjork. What? <laughs> 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 but that'll do it for the issue here. We do have some wonderful letters to get to here. We have awesome. a mailbag here officially in our second episode. Very cool. And uh, yeah, we're going to start with Jeremiah, who says, I appreciated the pre release of the podcast for the Patreon supporters. I listened to the show while working on Friday, and I enjoyed it. I have to say I was wicked surprised to see the tweet that you were doing a preacher podcast, so I downloaded it right away. Well, that means a lot to us right right off the bat here. And yes, we did release this one early for uh, the patri- pat- the Patreons, the patrons mm-hmm. at patreon.com slash xlapsed. Uh, just a little extra, a little bit of a pre-release. Uh, Jeremiah continues, uh, my one experience with the preacher was brief. My brother was a huge fan of the comic. He really enjoys NS Dillon, Vertigo, and everything that goes along with it. He got me to read Transmetropolitan and then really pushed me to try Preacher, so I eventually gave in. I read the first trade, five or six issues. This was way back when, say, early to mid-30s, so obviously I'm in a different place now, but when I didn't much, but I did but then I didn't much care for it. My feelings about the book will answer one of your questions. Was I offended by the comic, or did I think they set out to offend? Which is the big question we left everyone with last time here, because that was the big question we got from from the Usenetters. You know, is this pushing the envelope just for the sake of it, or is this just a byproduct of the story they're telling? Now, Jeremiah says, personally, I thought the story was good, interesting, and certainly unique. The idea of an entity existing that is the spawn of a demon and angel, that God is not in heaven, and that there is a man on earth with the power to make people do anything he said and are are all topics that would make for a very interesting story. What I did not like about the book... What I felt Ennis was doing was writing a story that tried to be shocking, titillating, and possibly offensive just for the sake of doing so. I felt it was as if he was out to he was set out to see if he could write a supernatural story about angels, demons, God, man, and then add in the worst, most disgusting things that mankind can do and still get it published in a comic. I thought he was pushing the envelope just to see if he could. I felt like a lot of the over the the over the top quote offensive material didn't necessarily serve the overall story. And that put me off enough to not bother finishing reading the story. I wasn't offended. I just didn't need to bother reading a story with that disgusting stuff that I didn't care about. I agree with Dave. I think it could still be published today by the big two with one cavet. If the N-word does appear in the original series, I don't think Marvel or DC would publish it now. Reprinted trades notwithstanding. Other than that, I think they would publish under a mature reader's imprint today. So uh, any thoughts so far? on uh, jeremiah's uh missive here i'm glad he agreed with me on something <laughs> <laughs> see you said you said uh is it just me no it's not just you yeah look at that yeah. uh you you also said uh what do you say with one cavet what do you just say cavet i always say caveat Ca- oh you're right yeah you're right i say caveat like caviar mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well just no i mean delicious. i'm yeah, <laughs> I'm just reading this along with you here. Mm-hmm. This is in front of me, and I I see though that he wrote that he thought the story was good, interesting, and certainly unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then in the next paragraph, the stuff that he didn't like about the book, uh, I thought he was pushing the envelope just to see if he could. The things All that right. didn't serve the story didn't serve. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, the 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 extra the the as uh, the you know, the watchword of the day gratuitous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, no, so far, so good, I guess. Keep going with this guy. Mm-hmm. I like these letters, man. I'm digging it. 
Yes, uh, Jeremiah continues. I know Chris mentioned the Spider-Woman and Batgirl comics and briefly discussed comics outage and cancel culture, though I hate that word. And yes, I'm with you. He says, you can add Howard Chaikin's hysteria issue to that list. The issue with all those is that they're, they're covers and things that anyone would see in a comic shop or can post a pic of online. They're easy targets to pick on and, and say that offends me, but they don't. When it comes to actual content of the story, while it may be offensive to someone, it's a lot harder to say that it's offensive and you cannot publish that. I mean, look at the Captain America and Hydra story. People were up in arms about it, but Marvel didn't stop publishing it or change the story to satisfy the people who were upset. I think that there is a difference between writing racist characters, having violence against women in a story, or depicting human depravity and glorifying them. I don't think that Ennis was glorifying any of the awful things in the story. He's a better writer than that. And I agree. I agree. That's uh, very true here, because, I mean, I made the little joke about sympathizing with uh, Sheriff Root earlier, but, I mean, we're not supposed to sympathize with him. He's he's an asshole. He's not a good guy. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, Jeremiah continues. Uh, Finally, after listening to the show, I thought I'd I'd give the book another chance. I'll see if I can follow along with the show and read this book with an old man's perception instead of that of a younger version of me that was much more optimistic about the world and comics. And hey, that's uh, that's yeah, that's part of the fun that we're having here. Uh, right. you know, Dave, Dave's reading this with a different uh, mindset. I'm reading this for the first time as uh, I'm not. I don't want to say an older man, but I'm 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 over forty, so uh, a grown up, an official grown up, I guess. Right. So yeah, we're reading it with uh, the eyes of grown ups here, and it'll be interesting. And and I hope that we actually have younger listeners out there who may have a different point of view, who may. Maybe there is a generation gap here. Maybe we're in different points in our lives where uh, we receive this differently. I think that'd be a very interesting conversation to have, and I hope we do. Now, Jeremiah does what I love here. He he has a numbered list. I love numbered lists. <laughs> he says, finally, one, I, love, I like Steve Dillon's art, but I will say it's very unique. I don't get the wooden teeth, but you can sure tell it's Steve Dillon as soon as you see it. The wooden teeth will grow on you. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Uh, two, Phil Donahue is alive. Ricky Lake. Hey, <laughs> yes. yeah, right. Uh, we, we didn't know he was sick or dead, but we're glad to hear he's not. <laughs> Ricky Lake did lose her hair, but not because of an illness. Other things like stress, chemicals, et cetera, et cetera. OK, all right. Good and we know. did some we did some extracurricular on Ricky Lake. Her hair is growing back. So yeah, she's still. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Smoke bomb, baby. So Ricky Lake, Ricky. if you're listening, if you're listening. We keep right asking in. people if they're listening. All the people we want to listen, they're not listening. But, uh, you, you know. You, you, you got to dress that? for the job you want, right? <laughs> so you're not yeah. for the job you have. So, uh, yeah. so yes. Um, so, uh, so Oprah, Jesus, um, <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs> yeah. um, Toons is a cat. Yes. Make sure, uh, you let Ricky Lake know I'm a pervert. Please <laughs> tag her, tag Ricky Lake in the TTC maybe, post. Maybe we'll, we'll, maybe we'll tag her. Who knows? Um, she, maybe, maybe she, tag her. Maybe she can be uh, the co-celebrity of the the show with along with Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase and Ricky Lake are the uh, the stars of this show. Interesting potpourri. It is. It is. If we ever see a picture of those two together, I think the world will explode. It sure will. The next one. Uh, the first CDs that he got were uh, the Best of Jethro Tull and ACDC Who Made Who. Okay. And better than uh, the Batman Forever soundtrack. I'll give you that. Yeah. Uh, Next, he says, I love the big books. And these are the Piranha Press or the Paradox Press. I don't remember which ones were which at this point. 
He says they were really great. My favorites were the Big Book of Urban Legends and the Big Big Book of Conspiracies. They weren't all gems, but some of them were really excellent. Sadly, I no longer have any of them. I lost them when I got some water in the basement. And uh, that's to all of us. I'm telling you how many stories of flooded basements out there Mm -hmm. happened to me, too. Really? Yeah. That sucks. I think our basement only flooded once, but I was very young, so I didn't really have any, you know, anything that was like perishable, really. It's like, yeah, I think I was okay. Just stop putting things in the basement. I mean, this is my grandmother's house, and I'd moved away, so they put all my comics and magazines down there. Okay, just get them out of the way. Yeah, and it was a wicked old house. I mean, I think the house is built in the Civil War, so I believe it. Yeah. Yeah, it was like it, like uh. I want to say it again, but I stopped myself. True story. Uh, <laughs> but my my uncle was digging in the walls down there one day, and he found like old medicine bottles. Oh wow! From the 1800s. Yeah, I mean that's how old the house was. So. Crazy. No yeah. action comics number one though. Uh new no, nice. no 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 just some mad magazine stuff from my childhood. <laughs> but, I mean it, dude, it hurts all oh, the same. Yeah. You know. No, it sucks. It absolutely yeah. sucks. And uh, Jeremiah says, I think that's enough for now. Good show, both of you, and I look forward to more. So okay, we want to thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Right on. And, uh, you agree with me, which is like, dude, like, boom. It you took know? a whole line out of your vocabulary. You yeah. can no longer say, am I the only one, or is it just uh-huh. me? Uh-huh. Well, yes. don't it's, tempt uh, me. Winner is us. But uh, no, thank you so much, Jeremiah, for writing in. And you wrote in before the show even hit the main feed. So that's really, really awesome. Look at this guy. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, Jesse DeYoung. He says, I really enjoyed the Preacher episode. I think I liked yours and Dave's banter more than more than the book. I can't wait to hear what else you have planned. So, hey, you know, we, you know, sometimes it's like, is it too much tangent? Is it not enough tangent? Yeah. <laughs> have we found the nice balance of it? But uh, no, we, we we love just shooting the breeze and uh, using using the book as a way to kind of keep us sort of kind of on target yeah. <laughs> and yeah. on, a, on a trajectory. So, Thank you so much for the kind words there, Jesse. Uh, we had Sean Hegarty, right? Is that how you say his name? Hegarty? Yes, yes, it's... Sean. And we got a note, and I, I like to rib him for this because uh, he's also in my fantasy football league. Uh-huh. So, hey, Sean. Hey, he uh, spells his name S H A W N. Not traditional here. Okay. Not 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 the Irish. Uh, yeah. No, no. And, and the reason why I say uh, kind of rib him is because I always say he uh, spells his name like a stripper. Oh, yeah. And I hit him with that every chance I get. So just one more time for good measure there, Sean. Mm-hmm. Taking the stage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, he says that the first episode was great. and He's hoping to hear more soon. And uh, he's going to be reading along with the show. He's got a reading project he's trying to do. Uh, what was he trying to read, like 500 books a year or something like that? Yeah. What's going on with that? I, I'm, I'm a little conflicted about that whole thing. Yeah. I, I You know, I. That's one of those things that before I started making content, I always wanted to do like one of those, like I want to read X amount of books a, a, a year or a month. And then I, you know, it always fell off for me. I'd always just have like a nightstand full of stuff I didn't get to. But, uh, and now when, with, you know, doing all the shows, it's hard to do that. Yeah, but, uh, but social media posts, a little bit, uh, look at me, look at me. Don't you think? I, I, but he's doing it to pro- promote us. Okay. Well, listen, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. <laughs> listen. Yeah. In this case, Yes. But, I mean, I've seen many a post where it's like, hey, I read freaking 25 comics today. And they show, like, they must have, like, an app or something to keep track. <laughs> okay. Of what they, and I'm like, yeah, I don't give a crap. Like, whatever. You read, <laughs> you read 25 books today. Good for you. Like, what does this do for me? You want me to congratulate you and say, hey, you got no life. You sat around and read comics. We all had to go to work. 
the 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 the, uh, the words of uh, of little Dave are uh... LD, please. But yes, I mean seriously. It's like, you know, there's so many things that piss me off. It's like people who post pictures of their food. I don't care what you ate. You know, I think many people could agree with me on that. Like, I don't, you had a Cobb salad. Good for you. You read this many comics in a year, whatever. Like, one thing I do like about Sean, I'm going to give him credit for, is he gives a little synopsis of what he just read. Oh, that's so. Yeah. So he might be like, oh, this is uh, my comics gold X amount out of whatever. But he'll tell you what the issue is basically kind of going for in like, uh, like a couple sentences and whether he liked it or not. So sure, sure. props to you, Sean. Good for mm-hmm. that one. But everybody else, what the hell's going on here? I don't <laughs> get it. Maybe someone can let us know. Uh, we can, we can, we, we would love to know the thought process behind that. Yeah. I mean, you know, look at me, look at me. I, but listen, this is also coming from someone who I don't like post a lot of like personal stuff. Same here on social media. Like I won't, uh, you know, I'll put pictures of my kid online and stuff no. like that. I don't use Facebook, you know. Mm-hmm. So when people start telling me stuff I don't need to know, I get a little, little I don't know. I get a little me, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe right. we, well, maybe we can get to the bottom of that as we work. Sure. Here, it's a, yeah. it'll be very therapeutic, I'm sure. But um, yep. But yeah, Sean has his reading project, and he will be reading along with the show, which is really, really awesome. So some, so some of our uh, exploits here will be numbers in his list. So that's pretty cool. Now, next up, we got a letter from Peter that I, I had to write him back to clarify here. He says, huh, this is one of the more fuddy-duddy episodes with the very specific pop culture references and the where were, where were you during the OJ Verdict memories, the back-in-my-day comic talk, and even and even and it got me laid joke thrown in for good measure. We're fuddy-duddies. It, it's kind of <laughs> kind of what we do, right? Um, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, I feel like we, we, you know, we do talk about comics history, right? We talk about the history of the industry, the industry of these books, the industry, the history of these creators. But I think that there's so much overlap between comics history and our history. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's one thing I've said it before. I've probably said it many times, but comics come with a date on them, right? Yeah. Comics <laughs> are dated. So you right. can pretty much follow comics through your entire life. And I feel like, um, it makes it a little bit more personal, and I think the references to things like stuff that we remember at certain times, it it just kind of facilitates it, is all. Now, Peter continues. So speaking of being a fuddy-duddy, I think when a writer essays or rants about people getting offended and an artist telling all those sensitive sallies out there to go plutch, to plutch, no, clutch their pearls and shut up in the very same month their book launches, that it's a strong indicator that they're hoping to offend. I doubt very much it was the driving force behind the series, but I think both Preacher and the boys are done in a way where the creators are hoping it offends the right kind of people. And I guess it didn't make the kind of splash because those kinds of people don't pay much attention to comics populated by glaring, grit-toothed, wooden, life-sized ventriloquist dummies. So um, I don't know if that was wooden teeth or, or gritted, to- gritted teeth and wooden stances. but Yeah, uh, yeah, it could have been. It really could have been. I mean, I don't know. But I had to uh, I had to write to Peter and I, I I played Silver Age Stan Lee when I wrote back. I'm like, thanks for the feedback, but uh, did you like the show? And uh, <laughs> right. he, he wrote in and said he did like the show. And uh, <laughs> so we're happy about that. But Peter does raise a point about uh, offending the right kind of people, which is kind of a middle ground between trying to offend and happening to offend. I've never I, I've only read um, like one arc of the boys. And didn't care for it. 
Okay. Are you? Are you? I know you've watched the show, but have you right. read the comic? No, I, I've never really got into the comics. Okay. We actually, I think we talked about this last episode, didn't we not? We might have, because we were trying to remember the publisher, and it was like, oh yeah, Dynamite, Bing Bang Boom. That's right. That's right. You got yeah, it. Yeah. So there you go. And so I do wonder if, um, if this was something that kind of rides the the fence here, where it's maybe it's trying to offend certain people, not yeah, trying to I, offend. Right. I mean. Right. I don't know. I don't know. But I think it's something that we'll see more and more of because uh, as we work our way through, I'm I'm still trying to comb the old news archives to see if I can find anything about anybody kind of trying to boycott or any kind of yeah, demonstration. Right. We've got all the wizards going yeah. from the launch of this till, you know, the end of this, basically. Uh, the, the Internet's a great resource here. You could hopefully find something. But I'm trying to go like month to month in my news searches to see if anything comes up. Yeah. And uh, usually if, I mean, if you're looking for preacher, you're getting a story about a preacher, you know? Yeah, no, uh, no, you're right. Yeah. I know yeah. it's tough. It's like, Oh my God, all this stuff you gotta, you can sort through. Yeah, it's true. Just to it, find what you're exactly looking at. It's needle in a haystack kind of oh, stuff yeah. here. Yeah. It was the pull the use that stuff for this, this episode. It, it took a little while. It took a little while to find like the right one to kind of deep dive on. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's there. It's just, it's just not always the easiest thing to find. Um, so I, I, I think, what is it? I think, uh, what is it? The comics journal has a yearly subscription where it's like 20 bucks and you get like their digital archives. So maybe I'll invest in that. And uh, see if we can't find anything about it in the Comics Journal. The Comics Journal, if uh, for folks who've never read the Comics Journal, is, you know, Wizard's kind of sophomoric, a little bit. Uh, Shut your mouth. You stop that. <laughs> okay, okay. They're, they're, they're fun. We'll say they're fun. Yeah. The Comics Journal kind of is up its ass. <laughs> the Comics Journal's kind of stuffy. Uh, basically, if it comes out from Marvel or DC, they hate it. It's... Um, with few exceptions, of course, but uh, they are really the artsy uh, set. So maybe they'll have some information on Preacher that is a little bit different from what we get in Wizard. So maybe I'll maybe I'll invest in that uh, later on today and start going through there as well. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think that'll do it for our mailbag here. Uh, well, one no, thing- real quick here, I, w- I want to go back to Peter's letter for a second. Hit it up, because I, I, I want people to know that when I first saw this and he said, uh, uh, "What do you write here?" And and even no, I don't care about the funny. Whatever. (laughs) And even it it got me laid joke thrown in for good measure. I had to ask you what that was because I couldn't even remember because I suffer from a a very terrible condition called verbal diarrhea. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I I throw a lot of off the cuff stuff out there and sometimes I forget even what I said. So you had to remind me and I went, aha. That's right. But the thing was, it was a fact, and that's all that matters. So yes. thank you, Peter, for your letter, even though we were confused as to <laughs> if you were trying to tell us good things or bad things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, uh, one thing we've been including here on the channel is shout-outs here. We want, to, uh, we want to extend a thank you to the folks on social media who have taken the time and effort to engage with what we put out there and share and hopefully maybe raise the profile of the program and maybe find us a few extra ears. So we have quite the list of folks here we want to thank from Twitter. We want to thank Jerry Hyde, Walt Neeland, Chris Bailey, 21st Century Boys, Billy D, Long Box of Darkness, Jeremiah, Sean Haggerty, 
uh, Joe Crawford, Max Reads Comics, Chris at BTO and Bad Books, Zizis Valtiel, I think, maybe, um, Mark Jagger, Bob Rowland, Wizards, the Podcast Guide to Comics, Sean Ross, Jacob Jones, Jason Colby, The Bat Pod, Ed Moore, Professor Frenzy, Mike Conrad, or Coonrad, uh, Mark Radulich, and Toby Von Doom for hey, hey. yeah for helping us out, for spreading the word, for just uh, making us feel like we're not alone. Yeah, and uh, I think I remember Toby there. He was a little confused by uh, the umbrella. Yes, yes, this is true because um, yeah, it's, the feed isn't to the choir. The feed is still uh, you know, Chris and Reggie It still shows up as the cosmic treadmill, so it's a little bit confusing. It's uh, certainly um, it's certainly not making uh, selling my podcast very easy. <laughs> yeah, but he found it. It can be found. You just gotta look for uh, you know, yeah, cosmic treadmill. Like for me, I, I use uh, my my disc of magic. Mm-hmm. that sits upon my counter and i ask it by name to play something for me and i'll just say i don't want to say it out loud now because it will hear me <laughs> yes but play the cosmic treadmill podcast mm-hmm. so that's all you got to do yeah it's, uh, that's how easy it is to find us but um i think uh, that's probably all the time of yours will take up this week. Um, do you have anything, any parting uh, words or any contact information or anything you got in the wikes? Okay. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm not a hype man. You mm-hmm. can find me at Lava Hog on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And from there, I guess, whatever, uh, you know, not like my stuff. But uh, <laughs> I do, you know, I got a Fitbit. Mm-hmm. And you may be asking yourself, why is Dave bringing up his watch right now? Because, you know, I can track my steps, my sleep and everything. This episode, I wish you had a Fitbit for your tongue because you said a lot of words. You were quite uh, <laughs> prolific, prolific this episode with, all, you know, your whole recap and all the shout outs and everything like that. That I think your uh, your mouth got a good workout. So yeah. it did it. I I burnt uh, how many calories here? I burnt uh, a couple hundred calories, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, in your imaginary tongue Fitbit. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I, I, I in between words I always press my tongue up into the roof of my mouth just for the extra you know the extra pump. It's it's good. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> that sounds dirty, man. I was, I was like like the extra calisthenics there, and you're like for the pump. Well, I mean, when you, um, I, I take I take a pre workout now, and they say you take a pre workout for an extra pump. So there you go. I, there I you mean, go. the other thing I, I want to say, other than talking about your uh, linguistics, <laughs> yeah, is uh, that was gross. Is was. Uh, thank you to everybody for checking out the show. Certainly. I appreciate it. I enjoy reading this preacher and talking to you about it. So yeah, it's good stuff, man. It's a win, win, win. So uh, if you'd like to talk to us about preacher or Anything we talked about today or anything at all, really, you could reach us several different ways. Dave said he's at Lava Hog. I'm at Ace Comics on Twitter. You could shoot us an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. You can call into the voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK. For blog posts and show notes, Chris is on infiniteearth.com. There will be notes on this show as well. And, um, of course, the archives, chrisandreggie.podbean.com, available anywhere the Internet aggregates noise, so it's not hard to find. Though I think now there's another show with a Reggie in it, so we might not come up first. Who knows? <laughs> Hopefully we do. But uh, I think that's all we got for you. Any any parting shots before we cut out? I think I just did my parting shot, so I could just talk about random stuff for the next half an hour if you prefer. 
No, that's probably okay. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah. Bye. <laughs> Till next time, folks. We'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.